the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, I hope that you had a great 4th of July. I did. Had a great 4th of July. Enjoyed myself immensely. Went up to Branson for a couple of days for Thursday and Friday. And then made my way back here uh, late Saturday. I wanted to be back in time uh, for church on Sunday over at New Life. And uh, was there. And just had a really, really good time this weekend. Yesterday got out. Uh, I'm not the whitest guy in Arkansas anymore. It was a that was a joke going around here at the station uh, because I've really not done much. How do you put it? I guess sunbathing is that the way that they say now? Out uh, laying on the deck and just frying in the sun. Kind of got away from that back in my. Uh, my late 20s, 30s, but uh, haven't been in, out in the pool very much or anything like that. So on uh, on Sunday, grandson's over. He and I went out and got in the pool and whatnot, and then I laid out in the sun and, and dried off. So what can I tell you? It was great. Had a good time. Enjoyed myself. Uh, had a little bit of pizza. Uh, last night went and saw the new Spider-Man movie. Can give you two big thumbs up on that. You really enjoy it. Make sure you stay to the very end of the credits because the credits uh, at the very end have got a scene that you will not want to miss. Now that was I, funny. Did you go see it? Oh yeah. I okay. Saw it. I thought it was pretty. Uh, I can't. I'm not going to say anything about what was in it. But I thought it was important that we saw who took part in that and where and where Fury was at at the time. Kind of interesting. The two scenes. Yeah, the last scene was really important, I thought. First one, eh, that was okay. It, may, it makes you wonder where they're going to take the Spider-Man story, you know. But still, that last scene was real important because now... We've really opened up the dimensions of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, my question is, how much longer is Tom Hardy going to be able to pull off Spider-Man? Tom Holland? Or Tom Holland, yeah. Yeah, he can go another couple. Uh, he could probably do two more movies, I think. That'd be you really think it. so? Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't. He still looks like a 15-year-old kid to me. You know, when I look at I just at wonder him. how long he's going to still look like a 15-year-old kid. <laughs> Well, how old is he? 20, right? Is he 20 years old? I don't know how I old think he is. he's 20 years old. I you know, he could still he can get another another one under his belt. You know. The next movie they'll have to knock off Mary Jane. I mean, she's got a short self shelf life, I would think. And uh <laughs> I'm not going to say who, but Come the, here, Zach. The, Come the one here, person Zach. that showed up in the in that last scene uh, doing a reprise. Oh yeah, yeah, that was interesting, huh? You think everybody's already heard about who showed up in that last scene? Everybody knows as he was doing his 
you know, his prison planet kind of report that he did uh, in that last scene. If they already know, then then stay away from spoilers. Yeah, well. I mean, look, you know, I understand everyone wants to know about everything, you know. Now. Before I, exactly. <laughs> Don't say they want to know. If they just wanted to know, they could wait a couple of days, but they want to know now. And yeah. I'm not going to tell them anything about what was in that last uh, scene because that changes the whole marvel cinematic universe that is true can introduce a lot of things yeah mm-hmm. really really and does. that was hinted throughout the film too the only, as well. th- the only thing i said is that fury's in outer space <laughs> that's all i said take that as you will i say he's in tahiti <laughs> yeah <laughs> did you figure that he wasn't on the beach when you when you saw that at the very beginning of it not at the very beginning. I, I did. I mean, when, he back, when it backed off, yeah, I got it. Well, that's easy. I mean, <laughs> when it backed off. When the clouds ain't moving, they're not where they say they're at. <laughs> well, now, it's a very, it's not that long of a scene. Now, it's long enough off. for me to see that it was pretty flat. But, I mean, those two scenes, those after credit scenes, were just blockbusters. Yeah, that first one changes the whole storyline for Spider-Man. That is true. All right? Be an interesting secondary next Spider Man. Mm-hmm. I don't, and nobody knows when that's going to be now. That's right, because when is the next Marvel film? You know? We know that the next Marvel film next year, there is one for sure. Uh, I think, what was it? The uh, You're going to have the Black Widow. Okay. And I think that you're going to have, what's that one that they tried to launch the series on TV, and it was an absolute failure. Well, you talking about Black Panther? No, no, no. Not the Inhumans. The other one. The one about the people that were here before everything happened. Oh, it's it's going to come back to my mind. You know what I'm talking about. I do. Not Runaways either. That's the one that I think is the next movie. Okay. For whatever reason, in Marvel Comics is determined... For that storyline to succeed, because it's so important for them in the in the Marvel universe and the multiverse and all of that that they want to get underway. I can't when I hate when I can't forget, forget and remember something. Because I want to say like, the God. was it Immortals? Not the Immortals. Now it was the the humans was on um, ABC. Okay, mm-hmm. that's probably what you're talking about. Inhumans. Well, is that what's going to come next year? I thought I heard. If so, wow. I heard yeah, that see the Inhumans. The, the 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 I remember the series on television, right? With uh, and Medusa it and failed mm-hmm. miserably. It did, and Black Bolt and all those other characters. Yeah, yeah. I th- I think that that's what I had heard. Is that uh, the it was the Inhumans? Let me see if I can find that. Because the Inhumans came out. <laughs> what? How many years ago now? Was it two years ago? It when was two came? years ago. Okay, it was two years ago. So that's what twenty seventeen, <laughs> and they come back three three years later to do a movie on it. That's a quick turnaround, you know. And plus, you know, who are the actors and actresses to play those roles? That's really interesting if they were to come out with a movie next year on those characters. But I mean, I would think next year, hopefully, there should be a Black Panther two. Probably, besides, um, what was the other movie you were talking about? Um, can't think see, of, you oh, talk about Black, Black Panther two. I saw I saw a Not movie Black trailer Panther. this weekend. Black Widow. For yeah, Black Widow. The actor in a different role. Hmm. 
Okay. I've seen that they're getting, they're going to bring them on. They're, they're, the movie is still happening. That's what I got here. And they're looking for a release date in 2020. They were looking in the late fall of this year, but yeah. they have pushed it to next year. Mm-hmm. And I had seen that they had, um, they had cast it. Who was it that was in it? Let's see if that movie was supposed to come out this year. Wonder Woman 1984 was supposed to come out this year, but they pushed it back a full yeah, year to next year. You know, Dark Phoenix was pushed back from last year to this year. Okay, since the beginning, Marvel Cinematic Universe has never shied away from taking risks. Iron Man, Hulk, Incredible Hulk are fairly straightforward stories. They managed to legitimize, uh, legitimize Thor, uh, Captain America, the Avengers. Now bringing on, you know, Captain Marvel, yeah, successfully, mm-hmm. Doctor Strange. So they're willing to take chances, but is this one that they want to take a chance with? Although the Inhumans began to pop up on ABC's yep. Agents of Shield, mm-hmm. came apparent Marvel Studios may have been using the characters as a conduit. For uniting the films and television series across the MCU, which means that perhaps this is a Disney move because they want they got Marvel now. And you know, I would love to see the Ages of Shield. I would love to see them inside the Marvel universe in the movies. You know, because I love those characters on that show. I really do. But as far as the humans go, I mean, I just I don't know. I have to see about that. Even though the Inhumans. Didn't do well. It doesn't mean that the property won't still work for the big screen. If the original plan was for the Inhumans to be the property that helps to bridge the gap between film and TV, a problem that Marvel has long had considering the lack of substantive crossover between the two, Mm -hmm. there's a little reason that this isn't still viable. You know, people are just waiting on X-Men and hopefully the perfect job for Fantastic Four. They can finally get that correct. Man, I everything I keep reading about the Fantastic Four is that they don't want to do them yet. <laughs> and they're looking three to five years down the line. They probably trying to separate from that 2015. I mean, that was that's one of the abysmal. That was just, that's just one of the worst movies of all time. You know, what's the movie that um um, the guy who played in um, Greece, what's his name, John Travolta, John Travolta. what's his name, Gad- Gadio, it's, yeah, as, it's as bad as that movie. Did you that, go see it? I didn't see it. I didn't go see it. I mean, but for you what can't I can't convince me, John Travolta <laughs> is Gadi. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just. But from everything I've read and seen on the movie. Hey, Mr. Goddard. <laughs> yeah, I just can't see him as Gadi. Yeah. You know. That 2015 Fantastic Four movie is down there with, as far as, as ter- I mean, it's just, it was a poor job. Now, Fox, see, still doesn't hold hold the characters of the X-Men, right? Now, they're, are they part of Disney now? Because Disney yeah. owns Fox. So I understood, you know, a few years back mm-hmm. before that happened that right. the Inhumans, Inhumans were going to be Marvel's kind of like new X-Men. Yeah. And we still haven't seen that movie that has been made and is still out there, and they had to do the reshoots for it and everything. That's got uh, 
Arya from Game of Thrones in it and everything. Oh, you're talking about the New Mutants. That comes out this year. The mu- New Mutants. It's going to come out this year, yeah, it 2019 comes out or 2020? 2019. It's supposed to come out this year. It's supposed to come out, matter of fact, if not next month, I think it's September. Well, they're the being new- awful quiet about they it. They are, because she's in it as well as the guy who played, um, I think, Maybe the guy from uh, Stranger Things, uh, Jonathan, I think he's supposed to be one of the characters, yes. if I'm not mistaken. That That's one that just has bad, bad, bad press been following. And you're right. It was pushed back from last year, just like Dark Phoenix, to this year. I mean, we'll see. You know, um, I don't know. You know, it's just, don't you think sometimes that maybe they're overdoing it? Like, they're just putting out too many movies, and, you know, it's suffering because... You think? I mean, it just... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I understand you have all of these characters yeah. in Marvel Comics, but all of them did not rise mm-hmm. to X-Men or Fantastic Four or Thor or Hulk or Iron Man yeah. heights. I think what DC has done a good job is that, you know, with some of these or lesser... Captain America. Yeah, well, with some of their lesser characters, they have these animated films. And, I mean, DC does a do great job. Do it that way. Exactly. Do it that way first. Or do it on an MCU universe now for Disney streaming coming up. Exactly. Yeah. I agree. That's how you do it. I mean, The Defenders is a perfect example how yeah. Netflix was doing that. Mm-hmm. And for the life of me, I can't imagine yeah that disney seeing how popular those shows were goodness won't pick them up ah sure you know daredevil and and who is one of my favorite you know one of uh several favorites that i got in the marvel universe yeah uh jessica jones i didn't even know that much about jessica jones and then started watching it on Netflix mm-hmm. and thought, man, it's pretty good. Talking you know? about one of the darkest shows you'll ever see and in then, that season one. And of course, uh, you know, the the Kung Fu dude. Iron Fist. You know, that that yeah. started really getting some traction. Because they all only get older, those actors. So, yeah, I mean, you, you only you really, got so much time. Yeah. I just, gosh, that sucks when you think about it. I really do hope they pick it up. So we, I brought you in because that was something that came up. That uh, Russ and I were talking about. Okay. How many movies does Tom Hammond have left? Oh, Holland. Holland, okay. Holland have left in him to play Spider-Man. Well, hey, One or two? I think actually more. Oh, I do think, you really? I think more if, you know, I don't know about the Spider-Man comics as far as, you know, how many more villains they have and how many more. Oh, they got plenty well, of villains. Well, I mean, but not just plenty of villains. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, I mean, quality villains. Yeah. Quality villains for the films. If they have about two or three more good villains to put on the big screen, why not? Because he's only 20 years old. And he, I mean, he could play that character till he's age 30, probably. No, you think so? Because the way he looks. He looks like a little kid. He looks like yeah. he's 15. I mentioned that he looks like he's 15 still. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, Russ said, and how long will that last? Right. Well, it depends. If you got Dick Clark disease, it can last for the rest of your life almost now i think you know because he's done done such a good job with this character in this role for the next person after him to play spider-man gosh you know you don't know how it's gonna be expectations with the spider-man character maybe they'll take a break once he's done i don't know i think he has about two or three more films with that character all right i think he can get two in. i don't know if he can get three in you know it's just like James Bond. Yeah. Daniel Craig has one more. Yeah. 
James Bond movie in him. I say what? In one of these one or two films with him, we need a Kingpin movie with the guy um, oh, Vincent yeah. who played played him inside the Marvel. Diafio or whatever. Whatever how you pronounce his last name, we need him as Kingpin on the big screen on them. Oh my with, god! With the Spider Man. Yes, with Spider Man. If you're going to do that, then you got to roll. You you got to figure out how to roll in Daredevil. True, because yeah. Kingpin was Daredevil's major Goodness. foe. Him he did and, such a great job with that character. What about, what about the Rhino? That's right. That's another one. I don't know how you. It's like in Deadpool two. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't like the way they tried to get the Rhino in there. I didn't okay. think he was all that mm-hmm. a big part of the movie. Right. The Rhino should be a big part. He's a huge, huge villain mm-hmm. in that universe. So. I got you. I agree. Yeah. I want to. Keep. I want him to bring Doc Ock back. Okay. I like Doc Ock a lot. Like him a lot. You gotta like. Uh, oh, what's his name? The Through the Pumpkins, the Goblin. Oh, you talking? Um, well, who played him? I, uh, what's his name? I no, really you, like you him. You can't bring him back. He's. I know he's too the old. Is too old. Yeah. But I'm just saying. You know, the Green Goblin is probably the quintessential villain for Spider-Man. Okay. You know, I like him when he's riding that bat thing around and throwing, <laughs> throwing jack o' lanterns yeah. at him and stuff. That's great stuff. Yeah. That's, that's comic book stuff to, you yeah. know, the best. Mysterio was good, though. He was. Mysterio was good. You're talking about performance. Jake Gyllenhaal did a great he job. Did a good, you know, but you, you knew when you watched him in that movie, he knew I'm in a superhero movie. <laughs> he knew it, man. He played the part. He it sure was great. did. He sure did. It's good. He was good. I got to get a break in. Let's do that first break for today. I hope that your 4th of July it was a good one. As you can tell from us three, yesterday capped it off just fine with Spider-Man. All right. Let's, uh, let's get into some politics here, you know, as quickly as we can. Enough about the comic books. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get back into that on Friday as I always do with our geek shows so we'll be able to do that we won't bring in the whole squad but i may be able to bring in a few people uh to uh, to talk about it for the simple reason that you know josh is out in san diego tim is down in texas uh may be able to get shane to slide by on friday and and sit some time with us and talk with us a little bit about it as well and get zach in here talking about it also he he uh, is very, very uh, into the whole Marvel universe. I'm also into the whole uh, DC universe, but, uh, man, it's in such disarray about a lot of stuff that who knows when they're going to do anything over there, getting Batman and Superman back, you know, to do to do anything. The, the whole Batman thing with Patterson being named as uh, possible uh, new batman that's it's kind of questionable for me as long as he doesn't glitter i'll be okay yeah i was talking about a uh, chadwick boseman in a new uh, movie i saw a uh, trailer for this weekend now just before we go in, hold on before we tell you about the new movie, remember he is Black Panther. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, 21 Bridges. It looks really interesting now what's it about uh a heist in new york city oh okay so that's shutting down the borough to trap the bad guys that sounds interesting 
should be f- fun. I, I 20, think twenty one bridges going in and out of of uh, Manhattan, mm-hmm. and they shut them all down. Okay, well, and flood the island with blue. Be looking forward to seeing that. Of course, I saw him. I forget what was it. The, uh, something the king that he did that was really good i'll have the name of the movie for you in a few minutes on netflix you should catch it right now though let's catch the news and we come back we got more to talk about now pi roofing of course with their own their home solution side have got everything covered for your roof and for any leaks that happened with your roof and got into your house and destroyed your ceiling and a you know, a bedroom or maybe got between the walls and you got some black mold or or whatever, you know, they're ready. They got that all covered for you. Then on top of that, they now are uh, offering the highest quality gutter cleaning that you can possibly get uh, at a great value as well. And I know a lot of people say, well, why is that important, Dave? Well, it's important Simple reason that if your gutters get full of a bunch of leaves and debris and dirt and all kinds of stuff, uh, you get close into the fall when we have a you know quite a bit of rain and then we get a freeze, you can start forming ice dams, and ice dams get back into the into the soffit of your roof and can cause really bad problems. You get problems with that. Then you need, you know, the folks at PI Roofing to fix your roof. And that's a whole lot more expensive than cleaning out your gutter. So pay me now, pay me later. It's that kind of a argument. So my suggestion to you is if your gutters are dirty, they're full of stuff, don't you get up on a ladder. That's a dangerous proposition for a lot of people. A lot of people get hurt every year doing it. And uh, go ahead and, and let PI Roofing Home Solutions take care of it for you. All you got to do, go to piroofing.com. That's uh, piroofing.com. See where the president is about ready to address about the environment. Can we uh, get that if necessary, Russ, to hear what the president has to say? Okay, Russ is working on it. While they're working, he's working on that. A couple of very interesting stories uh, today because... And and we're starting to see this come out more and more, which I uh, am from uh, liberal left is in on it. And that is the president really can win 2020. I think that's kind of interesting that they're 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 um, admitting it now. It's kind of hard not to admit it. If you start looking, I mean, the president's at some of his highest ratings right now. Uh, president Trump needs just two things to happen for him, at least according to Newt Gingrich. Uh, he was talking uh, with folks at Fox, said the president will get another four years if he does, if two things fall in place for him. One, the economy continues on an upward trajectory, and we haven't seen anything saying that is not going to happen. The Democrats have been trying to say that it's going to happen. doesn't look that way. The president's walking in. Can we pull him up? Here we go. This is the president at the White House live. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Great to have you, and I hope you all had a truly wonderful Independence Day weekend. In spite of the heavy rain, and it was really heavy, we had a remarkable salute to America on the National Mall. Incredible, actually. Standing on the steps of the great Lincoln Memorial and looking out on the crowds, these incredible, big, beautiful crowds, braving the weather all the way back to the Washington Monument, we celebrated freedom in all of its magnificence while saluting our great military. It was something really special. And I will say this, it was a wonderful day for all Americans. And based on its tremendous success, we're just making the decision, and I think we can say we've made the decision to do it again next year, and maybe we can say for the foreseeable future. As we celebrate our nation's founding, we're reminded once more of our profound obligation to protect America's extraordinary blessings for the next generation and many generations, frankly, to come. Among the heritage we must preserve is our country's incredible natural splendor. That is the shared obligation that brings us together today. We have some incredibly talented people that know environment and what we're doing probably better than any people on Earth. From day one, my administration has made it a top priority to ensure that America is among the very cleanest air and cleanest water on the planet. We want the cleanest air. We want crystal clean water. And that's what we're doing. And that's what we're working on so hard. For this afternoon's event, we're pleased to be joined by Secretary Steve Mnuchin. Steve, thank you very much. David Bernhardt. David, thank you. Secretary Wilbur Ross. Thank you, Wilbur. Secretary Alex Azar. Alex, great job. Drug prices are coming down. I see it. <laughs> Proud of you. Secretary Elaine Chow. Elaine, thank you. Administrator Andrew Wheeler. Andrew, thank you. And Chair of the Council of Environmental Quality, Mary Newmeyer. Thank you, Mary. Thank you very much. In a few moments, we'll hear an update on some of their very important work. Also with us are Senators Kevin Kramer, Steve Daines, John Barrasso. These are three great senators, I might add. Perhaps I'm a little prejudiced because I like them very much, but they're great senators. Thank you. Thank you, fellas. And Congressman Bruce Westerman. And thank you, Bruce, for being here. Appreciate it very much. Thank you all for being here. As the Cabinet Secretaries will tell you, from the very beginning, I've given them clear direction to focus on addressing environmental challenges so we can provide the highest quality of life to all Americans. In addition to clean air and clean water, that means being good stewards of our public lands, prioritizing cleanup of polluted lands that threaten our most vulnerable citizens and threaten them very dearly, and implementing pro-growth policies to unlock innovation and new technologies which improve American life 
and America's environment. So important. These are incredible goals that everyone in this country should be able to rally behind, and they have rallied behind, and they've re rallied behind in a very Republican and Democrat way. I really think that's something that is bipartisan. For years, politicians told Americans that a strong economy and a vibrant energy sector were incompatible with a healthy environment. In other words, one thing doesn't go with the other, and that's wrong, because we're proving the exact opposite. A strong economy is vital to maintaining a healthy environment. When we innovate, produce, and grow, we're able to unleash technologies and processes that make the environment better while reshoring. And so importantly, you look at reshoring production all the way, taking it away from foreign polluters and back to American soil. The previous administration waged a relentless war on American energy. We can't do that. They sought to punish our workers, our producers, and manufacturers with ineffective global agreements that allowed the world's worst polluting countries to continue their practices. These radical plans would not make the world cleaner. They would just make and put Americans out of work, and they put them out of work rapidly. They moved production to foreign countries with lower standards. Our companies were forced to do that, and they didn't want to do that. And they drive up the price of gas and electricity at home and drive it to levels that are literally unaffordable. And by the way, that's happening to many other countries, but it's not happening here. Other countries, their pricing on electricity is so high, not even to be affordable. At our level, we are doing numbers that nobody's seen before. Nobody believes what, what we're doing and what we're producing electricity and other things for. Punishing Americans is never the right way to produce a better environment or a better economy. We've rejected this failed approach, and we're seeing incredible results. Since the election, we have created more than six million new jobs. Nobody would have believed that. I don't think anybody, seven, nobody, nobody. If I would have said that during the campaign, it wouldn't have been a pretty picture the next day as I read the headlines. Six million new jobs. Unemployment has reached the lowest rate in a half a century. And we have more people working today than have ever worked in the history of our country. We're getting very close to 160 million people, which is unthinkable. If you go back three years and you said 160 million people, they would say unthinkable. We're unlocking American energy, and the United States is now a net exporter of clean, affordable American natural gas. We're exporting all over the world. And today, the United States is ranked, listen to this, number one in the world for access to clean drinking water. Ranked number one in the world. One of the main messages of air pollution 
particulate matter is six times lower here than the global average. So we hear so much about some countries and what everyone is doing. We're six times lower than the average. That's a tremendous number. Since 2000, our nation's energy-related carbon emissions have declined more than any other country on Earth. Think of that. Emissions are projected to drop in 2019 and 2020. We're doing a very tough job, and not everybody knows it, and that's one of the reasons we're here today to speak to you. Every single one of the signatories to the Paris Climate Accord lags behind America in overall emissions reductions. Who would think that is possible? For this reason, in my first year in office, I withdrew the United States from the unfair, ineffective, and very, very expensive Paris Climate Accord. Thank you. My administration is now revising the past administration's misguided regulations to better protect the environment and to protect our American workers so importantly. As an example, there is a very good place for solar energy. I'm a believer in solar energy. It hasn't fully developed. It's got a long way to go. But it's really got a tremendous future. The United States does not have to sacrifice our own jobs to lead the world on the environment. My administration set the new global standard for environmental protections with unprecedented provisions in the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, commonly referred to as the USMCA, which includes the first-ever provisions to take on the challenge of marine litter and debris. And I'm sure you've all seen by watching television, by maybe reading about it, tremendous problem, thousands and thousands of tons of this debris float onto our shores after it's dumped into the oceans by other countries. The tides come to us. Usually that was a good thing, but this isn't so good. This is a tremendous problem. Thousands and thousands of tons of garbage comes to us. While we're focused on practical solutions, more than 100 Democrats in Congress now support the so-called Green New Deal. Their plan is estimated to cost our economy nearly $100 trillion, a number unthinkable, a number not affordable even in the best of times. If you go 150 years from now and we've had great success, that's not a number that's even uh, thought to be affordable. Kill millions of jobs, it'll crush the dreams of the poorest Americans and disproportionately harm minority communities. I will not stand for it. We will defend the environment, but we will also defend American sovereignty, American prosperity, and we will defend American jobs.
We've refocused the EPA back on its core mission. And last year, the agency completed more Superfund hazardous waste cleanups than any year of the previous administrations and set records in almost every year. We have done tremendous work on Superfunds. To name just two examples, we've made great strides cleaning up damage near a paper plant in Kalamazoo, Michigan, something that was beyond fix-up. They thought it was never going to happen. And also the Westlake landfill in Missouri. This year, we've also directed $65 million in Brownfield grants to clean up even more contaminated sites. You're in listening to the uh, President of the United States. He's addressing a... Uh, Crowd at the White House talking about the environment. We'll pick it back up right after this. And uh, we made a certain commitment, and the commitment has already taken place, and they're fixed in Lake Okeechobee. People are very happy about it in the Florida Everglades. We're restoring the ecosystems in the Everglades. And I also signed legislation authorizing $100 million to fight red tide, a big problem. That some people don't know about, but when you do know about it, that means trouble because it is bad. Another toxic algae that damages coastal areas, it's causing tremendous havoc, and we have a way of straightening it out and we'll get it done. We're joined today by Bruce Robach, owner of Billy Bones Bait and Tackle in Port St. Lucie, a place I know very well, Florida. His business was devastated by toxic algae from Lake Okeechobee. Bruce, please come up and tell us about what's happened and what we're doing for you. Where is Bruce? Yo, Bruce, hi, Bruce. Hi, Bruce. Thank you very much. Hello, how are you all today? All right, we had made a big trip up here to make sure we're here. This is very important. This is my family's business, okay? I've owned the bait and tackle store since 2001 and um, been in Florida since 2006. I have my son Tanner over here with me. He means the world to me. He's my best friend and my son. He's actually a brain cancer survivor that, you know, he beat it and now he's 21. And thank you, thank you. I wanted to say, thank you. I wanted to say that Mr. President, you're not only doing a tremendous job all the way around, but you jumping into, into this environment brings my heart to warmth, knowing that what you're doing is going, is a, is a truth, it's going wonderfully. My business in 2018 was so horrible, we I, I own two stores, we closed several days a week because of, you know, the algae and people being frightened if they were afraid to touch the water and everything. I have a marine mechanic, I just wanted to say really quickly, has a bad infection in his arm from the marine algae and stuff. Um, but basically, your completion of this Herbert Hoover dike is going to make a tremendous difference because we can store more water in Lake Okeechobee, safely store it there so the residents that, that are around there are safe. We, can, we, care, we care and we're concerned about them, us on the coast, believe me, and that the water does not go into the Caloosahatchee, into the Singh and the Everglades restoration. And also, I heard great news that the dike is going to be finished much sooner 
22 than 2022 than expected. So I personally want to thank you because this year they're not dumping. Our businesses are doing better. My wife don't yell at me as much. Well, <laughs> that always happens. So yeah, she says to me, you're going to be by the president talking. And, and I says, uh, oh, I don't need no list or whatever. I got a big mouth. I talk. I don't care. I'm proud. I'm, pr I'm proud of who I am and what I am. I'm a licensed charter boat captain. And uh, I've done it since, 25, since I'm 25 years old. And um, I just, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity to speak. Thank you for everything you're doing, sir. I speak for so many people. You are, you bring my heart to warmth for everything you're doing and all the way around. My, and, and sir, my nephew, thank you all. My nephew, Kenny Roback, is like my son. He is in South Korea right now in, in the Army, and he's doing things. And he is so proud of you and those boys. They all just, I've never seen people uh, th that are so proud of our president. And I, I, I just, I'm amazed. I mean, we stayed up to watch you that day when you got elected. We're like, he's got it, he's got it. So I'm sorry, I'm telling the truth. Listen, my dad taught me... My dad taught me, don't tell no lies, and when you want me to shut up, I will, but I'm telling the truth. And dad always say, I like a little like Donald Trump. He did a little bit, but you're much handsomer. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you so much. I worked in the towers over there for Val Flores so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. You have no idea how many people appreciate everything you've done. I mean, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And I want to say one final thing. I got a big mouth. God bless America and God bless our president. Give him a hand. Trump 2020. Thank you. Dude. Well, there you go. The president talking the environment and the White House record on the environment. And it's working. All right. That's going to wrap it up. He's, he was finishing up. We got to get to the news anyway. So let's do that. Saying that, uh, the. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach, who did a great job filling in for me on Friday. Thank you for doing that, Robert. You did a great job. Thank you, sir. And uh, I got nothing but accolades for you, and that's a good thing. Well, I know who to model myself after. Well,. I don't know about that, but I do know this, that you do a super job. That's kind. Hey, before we, we get going here uh, on other things, because you had a couple of things. First of all, let me explain that article you sent about the black professor. I was like, well, I'm glad that he let that kid say what he wanted to say or whatever. Wear a MAGA hat. Yeah. He's a professor who's complaining that uh, a student, a law professor, who was complaining and we'll read parts of the article, what a, uh, right? What an ignorant person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he, uh, you know, the funny part is, Dave, I think we need to bring that up because I'm not sure we can do it justice. That's how bad this guy is. And here's the key. My question to you, Dave, somewhat rhetorically is, yeah. how reflective of the leftist academy, meaning higher education, across the country, do you think that is? I would say at least 85%. Yeah, I think that's right. I really think that's right. Yeah. Which, that, and, you know, 
I'm going to say that, and then I'm going to say this, and probably 70 to 75 percent reflective of high schools in America. Yeah, yeah. And that worries me even, even more. Even more. That's right. That's exactly you know, right. To be honest, that worries me. And that, that parents are just letting it go. Well, part of the problem is they don't even know. Yeah, that's right? probably to true. To be fair, they don't even know. All right, so let me give this. Scaramucci, I've got him here, and I want to play this for you. Sure. Cut, cut number one, Russ. I want to talk to you about this. The New York Times, Fox News did a story. The New York Times did a story saying that the chance of the president being reelected is great. Here's what Scaramucci said. I got to ask you, uh, the, it's, it's all about the money. Follow the money. The, the figures are starting to come in. President Trump's second quarter uh, fundraising, it was $54 million. The GOP had another $50 million. Uh, you see on the screen there, Buttigieg at 24, almost, let's call it $25 million. Biden, $22 million. And Sanders, $18 million. Uh, what, what do these numbers suggest to you? Uh, the, not, not just the total numbers, Anthony, but the amount of donors with respect to how much passion perhaps is be, are behind these campaigns. Well, listen, the, the, the passion is there, but the Democrats have diffused that passion with 20 candidates. So if you add up all those numbers on their side, you're like, whoa, that is really impressive. The president has the incumbency, the presidency, and he's the one candidate on the Republican side. He'll have over a billion dollars to spend uh, by the time this is over. And these guys are going to be fighting it out until July of next year. So it's going to be very, very hard for them to amass, in my opinion, the same amount of money. And plus the president has a story now he is an experienced president in a rising economy and so you know he's the odds on favorite to win re-election charles but i am impressed uh that those democrats were able to raise those amounts of money but they're diffusing themselves by having that much volume in the race against the president all right president of the united states raised thus far 105 million well a little bit more than that now 100 about 150 million dollars Scaramucci said that by the time the election comes up, and I made this prediction before I went on on vacation Friday, one day. Anyway, went on break. That the president would have over a billion dollars for the next election cycle. And people poo-pooed me about it. I'm just telling you, this president is loved by the American people. There's also this natural progression, Dave, as you know, of increasing money going into candidates in general, mm-hmm. incumbents having an additional value. People invest in incumbency because they know there's a greater likelihood all else being equal. You know what's going to perhaps That's happen. Right. That's right. Uh, and so, yeah, these are these are the numbers that we should uh, foresee. I thought Scaramucci actually made a, a rather insightful point. Uh, which is which is which is reaching for him <laughs> at times. Sometimes I hear him say stuff that I think is kind of off, and then sometimes I think he really has some very good insights. And this was an example of the latter, which is the Democrats are diffuse right now. There are many Democrats, so each individual is not going to have nearly what President Trump has. But we need to be prepared for a formidable financial opponent mm-hmm. when the Democrats pick their candidate. Yeah. It's just math. Well, we'll just have to see. When is their when is their uh, um, convention? Convention. I don't know. I don't know. Usually, they're both in August. Yeah, 
I don't know. So we'll have to see. Can they put enough money together in just a couple of months to be able to stop a juggernaut that'll be running by then for the President of the United States? And remember, though, a note of caution, perhaps, which is that Trump won the presidency with far less money than Hillary did. Yeah, but when right. he says what money he's going to have this time, makes him really smile. Have you Listen, seen him talking? All, all he else smiles, being equal, right? Man. All else being equal, <laughs> as a candidate, it's better to have more money than less. Sounds like right? he's going to have gallons and gallons and gallons of mother's milk. Yeah, yeah, that's what it sounds well, like that, to me. Well, that's right. He, he, he already has an impressive amount of money, so there's no question he, he will continue to garner. Impressive donations. All right. Here's what Newt Gingrich says, yeah. former Speaker yeah. of the House. He says, if the economy stays good and the president stays focused, he wins. Uh, Tuesday campaign, this is uh, from last week on the 3rd. Uh, the day before the campaign, and Republican National Committee announced they had fundraised a record $105 million in the second quarter. The president already had an unprecedented $40.8 million in cash on hand April 1. The uh, Republican National Committee and their joint fundraising committees had a combined $82 million cash on hand. I mean, two things. Look at the amount of money raised and then look at the size of every one of his rallies, Gingrich said. Uh, I think the president could beat anybody. The momentum we're seeing right now, I mean, look, $105 million raised, $100 million cash on hand. But we're seeing overall the president's success is overseas. The momentum behind this president right now is like nothing that history has ever seen. I think the presidency, the president is set for four more years. Gingrich also took aim at the crop of 2020 Democrat candidates suggesting many people believe they are going to go so far to the left. He cited the moment all 10 Democratic candidates on the second debate stage raised their hands in favor of providing government-funded health care for illegal immigrants. They're going to leave a gap about 25 miles wide between their views and the American people, said uh, Newt. And in terms of any Democratic contenders, who could potentially dethrone the president, according to Gingrich, there's only one, and that's the president. He said that Biden and Harris both pose a threat. She's probably the most dangerous of the Democrats, but I also think that a left-wing politician from California is a pretty hard sell, long way from the center of the American political system. Gingrich predicted, in my mind, they're going to have a nominee of the Democratic Party, He will be a very left-wing person, and they will have almost an impossible time defending their positions. Now, that's what Mr. Gingrich says. Well, I think he's right on the money. In particular, the left is trying to out-left themselves in the primary. This is not uncommon. And then they try to move to the center during the general election. But given how polarized our politics are these days, I think that's going to be a lot harder than it has been in the past. And as a function of that, it's going to be a lot harder for the Democratic candidate to pick up centrist votes. Especially when you see AOC and all the other leftists attacking Nancy Pelosi Right. right now, who's trying to play a centrist role, which is, give me a break, but look, um, 
I don't see them getting along enough to get somebody into the White House. That's an issue. That's an issue. It's a big issue. Albeit they said something similar, I think, about the Republicans when Trump won last time. So uh, I think right now Trump, notwithstanding what the leftist pundits are saying, I think Trump has the slight edge right now. Okay. With that said, that was Fox News for all of you who are watching right now. That was Fox News. So let me give you from the left. Yeah. The New York Times. Let's hear it. This is from today. Mm -hmm. The combination of a strong economy. Where do we just hear that? Mm -hmm. And the built in advantage for an incumbent. Gives President Trump a formidable advantage in his bid for re-election, according to the New York Times. There you go. Stephen Ratner, who served as counselor to the Treasury Secretary in the Obama administration and worked on the auto industry bailouts, explained in a piece that three separate projection models currently point to a win for Trump. One model by Ray Fair, a professor at Yale, projects Trump's 2020 vote share as high as 56% given the economic boom, but that that doesn't account for voters' issues with the president's personality. And uh, where was the rest of that? I had another part of that. i got to find it here real quickly. There were five other uh, polls that were out there, all showing the president winning by double Digits. Yeah. Well, At, it, right when now, the election yeah. comes up. Right. Well, and so the New York Times article basically, and I hadn't read it, so I can take a small amount of comfort in my agreement with the New York Times for whatever that's worth. But uh, <laughs> that was the point I was making is I think right now, given the president's position, given how fragmented the Democrats are, mm-hmm. and how likely it will be that the Democrats will put up someone who's far left, which will turn off those center-left voters that Biden is claiming are his, meaning they may not show up at all, that inures to the benefit of Trump. Yes, it does. This is always a challenge, by the way, Dave. That is, when you're running in either party in a primary, all of the, most of the, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, energy... Is at the far extreme, so the far left or the far right. But the amount of voters tends towards the center. If you look at a graph, if anybody in your audience thinks of a bell-shaped graph, which is like a bell, meaning the middle is high and the ends are low, we generally conceive of people distributing all sorts of views and abilities along that bell-shaped curve, meaning Conservatives who are to the right side of that bell tend still to be slightly towards the middle than the far right, and liberals tend to be towards the middle on the left side than the far left, meaning there's more people center left and more people center right than there is far right. So you might say, well, then every candidate should play to the middle. However, the people in the center tend to be less Energized To go to the polls. Right. So what do you want to do? Try to energize that middle group that's not energized or maximize the vote of the smaller number of people at the extremes. And that's 
and you, and you don't have to do one over the other if you if you're creative in the way you sell your politics. You can try for both. It's right. challenging, mind mm-hmm. you. And so that's what we're seeing at play here. We saw it, by the way, in the. Uh, we saw in both primaries last presidential election, although, of course, the Democratic primary primary was much more truncated. But we saw that at significant play in the Republican Party. Uh, and now we're seeing it in the Democratic Party. And undoubtedly, really, takes no soothsayer to be able to realize that the Democrats are turning left. Yeah, well, turning? Turning hard left. They've turned left. Right, right. They've got the foot on the pedal to the metal and going as far left as they can possibly go. Right. And so then the question is, what? and in a primary, right, I gave you that bell curve, that's a general population. In a primary, it's only Democrats that get to vote in the primary. So the extremists, the leftists, have more of a say because now they're a much bigger group. So the extremists are going to elect the candidate and then the candidate has to figure out how to win the general election mm-hmm. so it seems fairly and walked back from things they right. said during the primary absolutely that were radically in this case for the democrats very leftist. that's right and and the issue here is once they elect will they first issue is will they in fact elect elect the leftist we know that that tendency exists in the primary right now because we see someone like uh, Joe, uh, come on, man, Biden, uh, say, uh, and I'll, uh, I'll tell you why I'm saying that in a moment, he, uh, that... Because he says it all, all the time. All the time, exactly, painstakingly. Uh, in any event, he says, well, I'm center-left, but then he changes all, all of his policies mm-hmm. to far-left. Yeah. So that's an example of someone trying to appeal to... Uh, sort of both ends of his own spectrum. There was a great article in the Washington Post about how Biden keeps saying, come on, man. And I was watching a replay on CNN of him talking to Chris Cuomo. And he kept saying, come on, man. And I I thought it was one of those, I I tweeted this, in fact, one of those uh, universe inducing paradoxes or a paradox in the universe that would cause the destruction of the universe like yes. in Star Trek because I was reading about it just when I was also hearing him on television. But he, you know what that is? In all seriousness, they said, well, it's a reflection of his kind of 60s upbringing and a variety of other things. You know what it is? It's an inability. It's an inability to respond to a question. So if someone says, hey, you know, isn't it a fact that you supported busing or you didn't support? I don't know where he was on busing. I don't care where he was. I'm not voting for him. But and, he, and his response is, come on, man. Hey, Joe, come on, man. Answer the question. Yeah. Here's a come on, man for you. Stop saying, come on, man. You sound like a crackpot. And just answer the question. It makes you sound old. It would be it like does. if I were running for an office and somebody said, you know, Mr. Ellswick, blah, blah, blah. You know, something really positive. Right, right. Groovy. Groovy, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I think I'm watching Austin Powers when I hear him, you know? Yeah. He's like, he's like, come on, man. Yeah, baby. You know, like, he, he, it's just so outdated the way he speaks. Yeah, well, it's not like he's playing off a movie or something. I mean, I could get away saying groovy right. and saying I'm quoting from the evil dead, but no, I don't think that works. When we come back, yeah. all right? What are Biden's chances? I mean, let's look at Perry Bacon. You're familiar with him, senior writer for 538? 
not offhand. Yeah, he's no. he's pretty good. I, I want to play what he had yeah. to say about him. And Mia Love dropped some things on Biden, that I, like having to face the 1994 crime bill. That that's going to be tough for Biden, especially. For African American, Biden is a windsock. You know the thing you hang outside to see what direction the wind or yeah. weather vane, yeah. right? Meaning he was all over the crime bill because he thought that'll get him reelected. Yep. Now that it's a bad idea for reelection, oh, I, I didn't mean that. Yeah. What? Not me. I was yeah. asleep during that decade. Why would I send a, a a black man to jail longer than a white man because he happened to have crack cocaine and not powder cocaine? Well, we'll talk about all that. As the show continues, Sonny's Auto Exchange, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. Let me give the number right off the bat, 982-7451. You're going to want to call them. If you need an engine, you need a transmission, you need something for your car to make it run 100% again, call Sonny's Auto Salvage. Here's the reason why. I'll give you a couple of reasons. One, a lot cheaper than going out and getting an OEM part. Two, a lot cheaper than going out to get a rebuilt. Number three, and bet bigger than number one or two, you don't want a brand new car payment that you're going to be paying on for five to, to the next seven years that's going to be over four or $500 a month, sometimes upwards near $1,000 a month. Go to Sunny's Auto Salvage, use a motor, use a transmission, from a total loss vehicle, it works great. The part works great. How do I know? I've got two motors from total loss vehicles in two of the cars that I own at my own house. And they work fantastic. Just went to Branson this weekend and had no problems whatsoever. Every part guaranteed comes with a standard warranty. One, two, three-year warranties on all their parts. Call them. 982 Seven four five one. That's Sonny's Auto Salvage. All right, we're back, and uh, Robert Steinbach here. Let me do my typical de- uh, deal here. Uh, Robert Steinbach works for UALR and the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone. Do not necessarily reflect those of UALR, the school, or the School of Law. So we get that out of the way. Mm-hmm. And, and Thank you, sir. You are covered. Mm-hmm dispensation well it's you know, look it's it's <laughs> thank you uh, <laughs> dave just gave, blessed me with, I just with blessed a cross you. of mm. course i'm jewish but that notwithstanding <laughs> that's all right <laughs> it's just, take it. I, now I, see now if you've been a, a radical leftist right. you say, how dare exactly. you do that i'll tell you a funny story when i worked in the senate judiciary committee um who was it the the mormon church it turned out it was discovered that the mormon church was baptizing after death meaning not actually physically baptizing anybody but they take someone's name that's part of the deal with that's, the mormon that's church. right because they and that's why they have all the genealogy mm-hmm. tools because they go back and they pull out the name and then they say a prayer and they baptize the name and so there was a Mormon in the office, not in my office, this was in Hatch's office, and a Catholic guy, uh, and I think a Baptist as well. And they were debating, and of course the Mormon said, no big deal, and one of the others, I think, objected somehow, and so they called me, and they needed the Jewish guy to come decide the issue, so to speak. So I came down and said, what do I care? What do I care? I don't care what they're doing. Yeah. Now, I there was one uh, group, one Jewish group amongst 
many different types of groups that had objected to it. And I actually asked a rabbi once, I said, well, why, why object to that? What's the involvement? And he said, look, you know, between you and me, and that's why I'm not telling his name, uh, between, <laughs> between you and me, of course, it doesn't affect me. But if we don't at least state an objection, it may suggest that we abide by that. Mm-hmm. And by abiding by that, that's changing our religion because we don't do that. Right. So it's, you know, a lot of times when you hear people say, well, I object, keep in mind, it's because they have to say it. And it's not that they really have an issue with what you're doing. It's just, listen, I technically object. Have a nice day, you know? So, I, like I said, I said, I don't care what they do. Uh, I'm, I'm less formalistic. They can do whatever they want. And you know what? Knock on wood, maybe it'll give me a little extra benefit. You know, maybe if I got something wrong and Never they got enough. it right, I'll take it. There you go. All right. So, let's go back and uh, let's talk about Perry Bacon Jr. He's senior writer for 538. 538 is what the, the Washington Post that they kind of align themselves I thought it was with. the New York Times. Yeah, it is the New York yeah. Times. I knew it was one yeah. or the other. I think it's based okay. like on their address. So, Bacon, and, and this is a question I've been saying all along that I didn't think Biden would make it. By the way, Swalwell from California dropped out. Today. Who? Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah, Swalwell? Who's, who's that? Right. right? Exactly. He's the guy who said that we should make it illegal to make AR-15s and that we should have another in? big... A buyback like yeah, they had in. in Australia. Well, you, not only can you not buy a new one under his idea, you got to turn them out. You got to turn them in. And, Get them in. Uh, we'll give you some money for it. My my guns ain't for sale. Yeah. If they were for sale, I'd have my bum on gun broker. My guns ain't for sale because they're my guns. Yeah, they're yours. That's right. You own them. That's right. All right. So he's talking about Vice President Biden. And his chances, and here's what he had to say. Does this put the issue to bed? I think it was this issue to bed, yes. I think he's apologizing now, which is what Cory Booker asked for, but it shows a weakness of but his But how campaign. about the fact that it was two weeks? That's what I was going to say exactly that, is that Cory Booker said he should apologize well, literally 18 days ago. Biden got there now. If you're going to move on an issue anyway, this is the problem with Biden is he's he has the wrong position in the current Democratic Party on a long list of issues, and he either has to move, and he probably should move quickly as opposed to letting this, he got attacked by Booker, Kamala Harris, Elizabeth Warren on this issue. He's probably needs to adjust and be willing to say like the iraq war vote is going to come up at some point he is using the death penalty to come up at some point he needs to figure out we're in the party is as a but then does that right turn point? into a huge apology tour there you go. Well, and, a huge apology right. tour sort of like what obama did after yeah got that's elected. exactly right moreover that commentator is right on the money and let me be clear what i mean by that not that i think Biden should be apologizing for the things that he's done necessarily, depending what it is, but that the Democrats in the Democratic Party today expect him to because they've moved so far left. And here's the key. Yeah. If you get out in front of it, then when it's brought up, you say, I already dealt with it. That's right. Oh, you're exactly right, Dave. So there's two components here, right? There's the substantive component, meaning what's his current view? And he's all over the map on that, and he's apologizing for things that he shouldn't necessarily apologize for. I, I don't have anything specific in mind, meaning he will apologize just because he's forced by the leftists in his party to apologize, even for those things that he doesn't think are wrong, and he does it in a slapshot way 
such that there's two weeks of bad press before he apologizes rather than getting out ahead of it. So he does, he's not smart politically, and he's not smart on the issues. Which is surprising with a guy who's been in since the 70s that he doesn't have any feel for this at all. Well, it's an interesting you say that because I think in many respects Joe Biden is the Forrest Gump of politics. I think he's stumbled his way through politics and just, you know, he's like popping his head up like squirrel. You know, like <laughs> this guy has stumbled his way through politics throughout his career. The fact that Obama picked him as vice president, I don't think anybody, including Obama, would have pre- predicted that a day before he actually did it. So I think he. Well, you wanted somebody who's like oatmeal. Yeah. It's hard to mess up oatmeal. Right. Well, and, and indeed, I think you actually touch on a very important topic or point, and that is exactly the same as what Hillary did when she picked Kane as her vice presidential nominee as well. Oatmeal. Yeah. Nothing remarkable. Why? Because the top dog doesn't want to be... Can't be overshadowed in right. any way. That's right. And Especially a Democrat. Right. That's right. No, I think Republicans have, have generally done better in picking their mm-hmm. uh, um, vice presidential nominees. I, I, I agree with that. Now, I think that, well, I didn't dislike him. Uh, what was his name? Oh, I just had it. I lost it. The guy who was the first Trump's, uh, first Bush's uh, vice president, Quayle. Yeah. I think Quayle falls into that Democratic model, meaning I think George Bush Sr., so to speak, mm. picked Quayle. I'm going to disagree. Yeah, go ahead. Because right. Quayle had just knocked off. A sitting U.S. senator Is that, right? that had been around forever. Oh, that's interesting. I wasn't aware of that. Ever. Okay. And, that's and, interesting. And knocked him off. Right. And and became a senator from Indiana. Right. And because of that, Bush he, had, he, would he had some a, things yeah. going for him. That's an interesting point. That's an interesting point. And his wife was really smart. Was she? Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Marilyn was really yeah. smart. She really, 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 yeah. really was. All right. So uh, former Republican Utah Congressman Mia Love was on the State of the Union on uh, Sunday, and she had this to say about uh, Joe Biden. Criminal justice was a big part of it, and it's something that we've worked on. I worked with the Congressional Black Caucus on. This is something that we worked on for a very long time. And actually getting that done, it's a big deal. So now we're moving on to the next, but you have to be able to look. A person who's not an apologist for the administration, first of all, I want to make sure that we're giving credit where credit is due. That was done by the House of Representatives and by Congress, and Mm. the president was able to sign that into law, which is great. But this was a big deal. Criminal justice reform was a big deal, and he is going to have to face the 1994 criminal um, crime bill. There you go. Yeah. The 1994 crime bill. Again, that was the stuff that had, you know, you go to jail if you have an ounce of, uh, you know, um, you got a rock or cocaine, but you don't go for Yeah, it was was like a hundred times punishment for crack You don't go for the same amount of time if you have powder. Right. Which is, was a black-white thing. There's no doubt oh, about that. Oh, there's no that. question about that. There's no question. You know? Oh. All those rich people didn't want to see their sons and daughters going for 20 years. But uh, right. a lot of the guys that were from the Philadelphia, you know, slums, they didn't care about them. And, well, and the crack co- cocaine was the scourge well, of the country. Indeed. So there was an epidemic on crack. So I, I think there was arguably, there was an argument to be made for why there should be different levels of punishment 
for the same underlying poison, but produced in a different way. Mm. But the level of disparity, I think, it was, was huge. W- was way too big. Yeah, way. It too was big. huge. Yeah. And I, I mean, you went to jail. I think it was a hundred times for like forever. I think you, you would have to have a hundred times the powder than you would of the crack for the same level of punishment. That's a remarkably high disparity. Yeah, I, I, and I agree with that. But that's another case in point that we're talking about. From the last thing that we heard from Bacon, talking about, you know, Biden getting ahead of this stuff, he's not talked about that. No, no. he should come out and say, frankly, You know, I was wrong on that. Well, he should come out and say something along the lines of what I've just said, and that doesn't make me brilliant, but I happen to know that some of the history here, and that is to say, look, there was a reason for a disparity because – Powder cocaine wasn't killing off communities the way crack was. However, we got the numbers wrong. Mm -hmm. We got the level of disparity way off. Or to get it through, we had to do this or do that. By the way, going back to to the thing about quail, he had just knocked off the sitting senator, and that was Birch Bayh at the time, who was a darling of the left. And Evan Bayh's father, you told me. Yes, and I know Evan, you know, I know him really well. I knew Birch because... Birch was really, Senator Bai was a huge proponent of getting out of Vietnam, mm-hmm. just cutting and run. Right. And uh, he was one of the big ones behind the, I don't know how much you remember of this, uh, you were just a wee little one probably during that time, but uh, the moratorium at that time. And I was a senior, a junior and senior editorial writer for the school newspaper, and I had an ongoing back and forth with the senator about Vietnam and uh, was well read not only at the school but in the community and so um, when uh, I came back to Indiana to work at WIBC Birch gave me the first interview That's that right. he ever done yeah. after losing uh, the quail and he hadn't changed at all I said you realize you don't fit in now anymore you right. are a dinosaur right your son you're, you must have really interesting discussions at Thanksgiving because he's much more moderate than you are. He says, yeah, we get we get at it sometimes. So anyway, and very just is some history very for you. It's very interesting. There's some history. And that's why I think by, uh, or uh, pardon me, that Quayle Quayle got the Quail was not the, such the an nod. example, yeah. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, interesting. All right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We're going to talk more about this. Don't forget about David Lucas and what he's got going for you uh, right now. Uh, in the wonderful world of Social Security, because he wants you not to get taken, but to come out ahead of that race. And the only way to do that is to understand uh, what's going on as far as as that's concerned. So on the 9th, uh, which is tomorrow, so I don't know what your chances are now of getting a ticket. I don't know if there's uh, tickets remaining, but you should check into them. Uh, and find out if you cannot go and check out uh, this whole thing about uh, his uh, teaching moment that he does, or teaching that he does of Social Security. And tomorrow is the next one of his uh, events that he has. Uh, If I just take a look at it here, I'm trying to pick up uh, the information on it. And right now... Yep, I can't pick it. I can tell you it's 6.30 tomorrow night. Uh, give him a call. See if you can't get in. 
be part of this. You get a 40-page workbook, get a lot of things going. It's like $20. But if you go davidlucasfinancial.com, you can do this online. I'm going to suggest that you do it online. davidlucasfinancial.com. Uh, you can and be one of the first five people to go there. You, you can maybe still get a ticket to this and save literally thousands of dollars by making a few adjustments to your uh, retirement. That's going on with uh, David Lucas Financial. Don't forget he's on every Saturday here on our station at 1011. Uh, the answer at 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. All right, back with you here on the day. The Dave Ellswick Show. The Democrats were at it again uh, between the 4th of July and today. Just saying. They keep promising everything. They are the party of the giveaway. That's what they are now. I think that that's what I'm going to think that's going to be my new uh, moniker for them is that they're the party of the giveaway. Uh, Cory Booker, cut six. Check this out. Every child born in our country as a birthright would have a savings account put up for them with $1,000 in it. There you go. You know what's hilarious about that? <laughs> and so you get $1,000 upon being born. Of course, it's redistributed from someone else's paycheck. Well, of course. Including perhaps many times care. their own parents, the, the child's own parents' paycheck. So it doesn't really do anything other than, of course, whenever you send money through Washington... If you send a dollar in, a dollar ain't coming back. Yeah. Someone's getting paid to play that daisy wheel of money such that you'll get 75 cents back, 50 cents back, whatever the case may be. But so what? You're giving $1,000 to a child and what, 18 years later, the child has some account with the government that he can draw it against? It's such transparent pandering. To what end? What are you trying to achieve with that? Well, I'll ask this. I'll ask the important question in just a moment. But first, we got to hear from Bernie Sanders. He was at it too. Cut number Every seven. Every teacher in America should earn at least sixty thousand dollars a year. There you. I'm. I'm just. They're just pulling it out of their rear ends look, everywhere Dave, they can. Look, Dave. What you don't seem to understand, and of course, my tongue is firmly planted in my cheek as I make this accusation. What you don't seem to understand is we've got to develop a whole list of government-decided salaries. You and your right-wing capitalist market-based determinations for price of labor and products, that's so old-fashioned, Dave. You see, in reality, what you need to understand is geniuses like Bernie, who spent his honeymoon in the Soviet Union, who... Spent his life up in Vermont. Uh, these gen- and not making syrup, exactly. making money. Exactly. These geniuses are able to tell you what each job should be paying based on their moral code of finances. It's make believe land. So I ask this question: If you're a Democrat, when you're going to wise up, you know they can't do this stuff. It won't happen. So when are you going to wise up to the empty again, promises? Again, Dave, I must disabuse you of your ignorance <laughs> because you don't seem to shift. It worked very well in Venezuela. It worked incredibly well in the Soviet Union, uh, Czechoslovakia, all of Eastern Europe. No, we know they didn't, but the right. Democrats will say that's because they didn't do it their way. Right. Here's what's remarkable about that. 
of course, I'm, I'm, I'm mocking that position and, and I'm not criticizing you. Uh, here's what's remarkable about the Dems who say, oh, well, they didn't get it right. Really? Really? After the 80 million people that Stalin killed, etc., cetera, mm-hmm. uh, they didn't get it right. But you got it right. After the 100 million that Mao killed. Right. But you got it right. Yeah. None of them could figure it out. You've figured you it out. He can't even comb his hair, by the way. <laughs> I'm just saying. Now, he did for the debate. Did I he? was amazed. Did he? His hair wasn't all, didn't look like Dr. Zorba from Dr. Kildare back in the 60s. He makes Albert Einstein look well-kempt. It's really uh, kind of amazing. All three hairs? Yeah, all yeah. three of them, exactly. <laughs> Me, I just shaved my head. Don't worry go. about it anymore. There you go. I got to worry about reflection, but other than that. Finally, Michelle Obama was out and... Um, my favorite unelected politician, by yes. the way. I've been surprised. I thought she's going to run for Senate in Illinois. I really did. She has not done that yet. So she was talking and was asked questions about the race, and she was asked about Biden's apology. And here's what she had to say. The gazillion candidates that are running for the Democratic Party, has anybody caught your fancy, caught your eye? Has anybody said, hey, Michelle, shall we take a picture? Because if I was running, you would be one of the first people I'd call. Has anybody caught your eye or? You know, one of the things, because Barack and I are going to support whoever wins the primary. So we're cons- our primary focus is letting the primary process play out because it's very early. I mean, that's one of the things that we learned in the campaign. It is early. It's like trying to figure out who's going to win the World Series on the first seven games. I mean, that's where we are right now. It is so early and things will change. That so we you have guys to don't give... want to get into Because everybody at least thought, well, you know they're going to go for Biden. But you're saying you're going to wait until the primary. Absolutely, because the, the general election is so important that we have to get behind whoever comes out of that primary. So we're watching everyone. Yeah. We're supportive of everyone. We are giving advice to whomever seeks it. But ultimately, to whoever seeks any anybody who has called or wants to call, I we, you know I am more than happy. To and your talk number to is you. yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> what if anything would you like to say about the Kamala Biden dust-up? He apologized today. You've been following that. Do you have any thoughts about that? I do not. Okay. Let me ask this. Moving on. I've been moving I've been, on. I've been doing this rodeo far too long. Yeah, moving on. Moving it's like, on. Uh, no comments. Yeah, move, move on. And no comment <laughs> works, too. And no it comment, does. by the way, is a complete sentence. <laughs> what are the qualities that you think make a good president? You can say oh, that. Oh, well, I talked about this in the last campaign, but yeah. nobody listened, you know? <laughs> I was like, you know, it's a hard job, y'all. Let's just... Just be clear, this isn't a joke, it's not a game. The leader of the free world with a tweet can start a war, can, uh, can, can crush an economy, can change the, 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 the future of our children. Um, this is, it, it is a real job which requires deep seriousness and focus. It's somebody who has to have an understanding of history so that you don't repeat what hasn't worked. Um, Having facts is really important. Operating with a base of clear facts and ideas, that's important. All right, that was uh, Michelle Obama. 
We'll be back after the news and we'll talk about this. Article from Tax Prof Blog. Monday, July 8th, written by Paul Caron. Karen. Well, Karen. Paul, Karen, yeah, but he didn't write. He, he just accumulates he just, he just, Yeah, he's just talking the he story aggregates here. It. Yeah. What should a black law professor do when a white student wears a MAGA hat in class? <sighs> yeah. So this is oh really good. So this, that was written by this guy, Jeffrey Omari, at Gonzaga Law School. Yeah, it says, seen red. A professor coexists with MAGA. In the classroom. This guy, is this the professor here? Yeah, that's the professor. He looks like somebody. I just can't place it anyway. Yeah. Uh, let me just read this very first paragraph to give you a feel for this professor. It was just a few minutes before the start of class, and I was standing at the podium prepping my notes when... Through my peripheral vision, I could see a speck of red on the student's head as he entered the classroom. As the student walked to his usual seat in the seminar, which was directly in my line of vision, the message on his flaming red hat was unmistakable. MAGA, or make America great again. Second paragraph gives it all away. I was in the first year of a two-year fellowship as a visiting assistant professor of law. Moreover, as an African-American male, I was one of an exceedingly small number of students, faculty, and staff of color in the law school. From my progressive perspective, as a black man living in the increasingly polarized political climate that is America, MAGA is an undeniable symbol. Okay, his words, yeah, not for mine. It. Wait right, for it. Here wait we go. for it. It's an undeniable symbol of white supremacy and hatred towards certain non-white groups. Period, 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 period. I won't read anymore. You well, sent this to me, Steinbach. Explain yourself. This is not an anomaly. This is a reflection of the politics of the left in higher education across this country. Know where you are sending your kids to get an education. That's where you're sending your kids to get an education. People who say the phrase, make America great again, is a racist phrase. Put aside, Dave, that anything that the left doesn't like, they attack as racist. Yes. It is their go-to position to try to shut you up by calling you a racist, by judging you by the color of your skin, by judging you by your race, all along calling you the very word that describes their behavior. Their behavior. That's the way they do. They project. They are projecting their own racism onto you. So here a student wears a hat. By the way, flaming red? Was it actually on <laughs> fire? 
Is that some sort of comment that it was gay? Like, what about it was flaming? See, I don't like the red hat. I That's why in the back of the studio, I don't know if they can see it on Facebook, but I got a blue one that says I like Make America. I like the red you know? one. I like the blue one. I'm because, a blue person. Well, but see, I'm, yeah, I'm red America, baby. All right. Red America. Red, white, and blue. Oh, I understand that the other color's <laughs> in there, Dave. Exactly. So, but you're right about that. This is it. The the left will not tolerate any view that they disagree with. And they don't tolerate it to the level that it becomes a hate statement. So if you say, I like chocolate over vanilla. Well, I don't like chocolate. I like vanilla. You're hateful. You're yeah. a racist. And of course, I'm, I'm making fun now. But in reality... If no, you, you say, like chocolate because... Well, you want to devour the black man. Well, there you go. I could hear him. Yeah, well, but in, I've run but into talk it. Talk about the politics. Let's say, well, I'm for capitalism. By the way, being for capitalism is like being for air, meaning it's non-existent, right? It's the absence. Well, of it's a like lighting a a big cross to them. Racist to them. Yes. Right. So if you take any position right of center, their position is that's racist. Because mm-hmm. that's the go-to move for the ultra-left. Now, to prove your point, yeah. next paragraph. I was unsure whether the student was directing a hateful message towards me. Hate speech! Or if he merely lacked decorum and was oblivious to how his hat might be interpreted by his black law professor. Next sentence. I presumed it was the former. There you go. Because he didn't use assumed because he knew what I would say. Exactly. The left will presume the worst motives of the right because Dave, Dave, you can't be of good motive and be on the right. We all know that, says the leftist. So if you're on the right, you've already started three steps. Behind the line. You'll never catch up now. Well, it's really amazing. This guy is... Come on, man. This guy is, <laughs> Come man, on, this man. Guy is beyond the pale. As the student sat there directly in front of me, his shiny red MAGA hat now was it's like shiny. a... It's well, flaming. Yeah. It's shiny. It was like what, a what, siren. It was like a siren spewing derogatory racial obscenities at me. For the duration of the one hour and 15 minute class. It's a red hat. Can you say, dude, you're just a little bit touchy on this. I, 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 I am now going to uh, adopt the Bidenism. Come on, <laughs> man. Come on, man. But the difference is, unlike Biden, who uses that when he's unable to substantively respond to an argument, I will follow it up by saying... This is what we're talking about, Dave. This is what the left does. Their go-to move is when they don't like something, it is morally wrong, and you are assumed to have the worst motives, no less, but whatever level of bad motives you're assumed to have, the act is somehow deemed offensive and therefore not worthy of respect, even if you disagree. I don't agree with... President Obama on virtually any policy that he took. But I don't think he was generally malicious trying to hurt 
Me, as a conservative, I think he was trying to help liberals. But the left can't see two sides to an argument. The left sees their side and everybody else is evil, is immoral, is attacking them, and hence their notion of hate speech. Hate speech is speech the left doesn't like. And yet, notwithstanding that they are so slow in their approach to trying to attack it, they claim it's deserving of no First Amendment protection, notwithstanding that they embed in its title the word speech, obviously, therefore, protected by free speech. Did he say this kid was wearing the hat the entire classroom? I guess he wore it during the entire class. Well, here's the deal. I was taught at a young age that when you walk into a room indoors, period, and you're wearing a hat, you take it off. There you go. Learn some manners. If the left wants to argue that point, go ahead. They can argue manners. But they're not not arguing that that stinking hat off and setting it on the table. That's the key. They're not arguing that point. No, I agree with you. They're stupid as all get out when they do that. Let me just say that again. Uh, He says, as the student sat there directly in front of me, his shiny red MAGA hat was like a siren spewing derogatory racial obscenities at me for the duration of the one hour and 15 minute class. If he had taken it off and put it down on the desk, he would have felt the same way. I'm just saying. Yeah. This well, guy but, but is just over this, beyond the pale. Dave, let's deconstruct this, if I may borrow a term from the leftists. Let's deconstruct this for a moment. There's a white guy sitting with a MAGA hat, and that act alone, according to this guy, is spewing racism. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you, by the way. That hat can be on his head. That hat can be on the table. So while I appreciate Russ's comments, unfortunately, Russ, the difficulty here is we're not dealing with rational behavior. We're dealing with irrational behavior. Yep. No, no, I know. I know you know it. I know you know it. So this is the challenge. This guy is spewing racism because he's wearing a red hat, described at various times as as a siren, as, what was it, flaming. In any event, it's a red hat with four letters on it. Four English, and by the way, not a four-letter word. And this professor feels the sting of biting racism. Wait, one, more, ahead, one more thought. If the guy wasn't white, would, it, would this professor feel that? If the guy was a woman, would this professor feel that? If you change any one of these identity items that the left is so wrapped up in, would the professor still call the purveyor of the hat a racist? And if not, which I suspect is the case, Dave, if not, that only proves that this professor is a racist because he's basing his comments on the intersection of the hat and the fact that it was a white male. Here's the other thing that I do not understand. I understand slavery was evil. I understand that slavery is not something that we want to repeat again. Of course. But I do not understand when you say make America great again, is that 
that's the only place in history you land at. You know, I didn't even realize that that's where they were landing because it's such absurdity. There are so but many But that's things. what they think. That's what he that's says. A, that's a good point. That's a good point. I didn't think about it that way. That's... That's the absurdity of the left, right? We had this professor from Penn who co-authored an article with a professor, I believe, from San Diego, and they talked about certain values of the 50s, specifically that first you get married, then you have kids, Mm -hmm. and you respect the police, and you work hard at a job. Those four values. And so... This I remember article, this article. Right? Go ahead. We talked yep. about it then. Yep. We did. Amy Wax is the pen professor. I forget the other guy's name. And they attacked her. Oh, well, you're talking about the 50s. There was racism. Yeah, of course there was racism. There's but still there's still racism. racism. But I wasn't I, I set forth, says Amy Wax and and the co author, those values from the fifties that I think are worthy of repetition and that I think, says she and he, we've lost some of. And the response is racist. Wait wait, wait what? Wait what? Because when you're talking about families and when you're talking about having children within the family structure, you must be attacking the African American. I, I think it's even. That's simpler what they're than, saying. I think it's even simpler than any time you want to refer back in history. You're, according to the left, are making a racist comment because there was a greater level of racism in history. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean all of history is lost. All of history is bad. How can it be? Are you saying nothing happened? There was. There, there was, was positive. Right in in all of humankind. Prior to the 1960s, how can there was the Renaissance? There was nothing positive about the Renaissance. There was no, nothing positive about the Library of Alexandria. It's just this notion is so absurd. But the left will not allow you an inch because if you get an inch, according to them, you'll take a mile. And if you refer to any of the many, many, many positive values of Western civilization that, according to the left, is code word for racism. An informal survey (laughs) of my colleagues revealed that no other law faculty had experienced any students wearing such propaganda, propaganda, Mm -hmm. in their classes, which furthered my contention that this student was indeed trying to intimidate and or racially antagonize me. Dave, I think actually rather than hearing the voices of his colleagues, he was hearing the voices in his head uh, because I suspect there are multiple. I'm with you on that. Let me just finish this up for you because it is, it is a beyond the pale. In the meantime, faculty of color remain committed to professionalism, which also means peaceably coexisting with MAGA in the classroom. To be certain, however, now we've just wiped away what he just said. When he said, however. Yeah, however. All right. In academic settings, making America great again suggests a return to the days when women and people of color were denied access to these very institutions. It's such rubbish, right? I mean, this, this is, 
exactly the same playbook that they used against Amy Wax when she said, hey, here's a crazy idea. Get married, then have kids. Respect the police and get a job and work hard at it. Well, that's racist. That's racist? That's racist? Good luck. Good luck succeeding. No, it's four things they said that was proven by uh, numbers that they had uh, extrapolated over that time. Well, it's absolutely true. It it is absolutely a fact, not a theory, not a philosophy. It is a fact that if you follow those four pieces of advice en masse, you will be more successful than if you do the opposite. All right. Don't forget about Applied Research Center of Arkansas. And, oh, by the way, the left, they hate the truth. Uh, Applied Research Center of Arkansas, their number, 501-954-7982, looking for people to take part in their studies they have going. They've got several, uh, one on low testosterone. You just have to meet the parameters. Men ages 45 to 80 have low testosterone, have a history or risk of heart disease or stroke. How about kidney stones? Be 12 years of age or older. Have chronic kidney damage from too much oxalate in the urine. Ulcerative colitis, ages 16 to 18 and older. Have moderately to severely active Crohn's or UC at the time of screen. Have an inadequate response or intolerance to previous intervention or treatments. And uh, endometriosis, ages 18 to 49, females, moderate to severe pain, diagnosis of endometriosis for up to 10 years. That's just a few of the surveys. They've got a total of 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 different studies going right now. Give them a call. See if you qualify for any of them. You'll be given the medicines absolutely free. And you'll be paid for taking part in these studies. The phone number again, 501-954-7982, or go online and check it out. A-R-C Arkansas, one word, arcarkansas.com. All right, back with you here on the, uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. We got news coming up in one minute, so we won't bring up a new topic until uh, we come back after the news. That's going to be in about five minutes. I want to talk a little bit about the uh, census citizenship question and uh, because big deal happened on Sunday. The Justice Department announced that it was replacing the legal team defending the Trump administration's effort to place a citizenship question on the next census. A change that is all but unprecedented in legal battles as consequential as the one over the 2020 headcount. I don't understand why they consider this unprecedented since it was on the census for so long before it wasn't. Yeah, Obama took it off. Yeah, we'll talk about all of this. That's all coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Give you something to use against your uh, lefty friends okay that's coming this way here on the dave ellswick show let's get to the news and then we will return right here hey let me uh, go back and i gave you a number for applied research 
it's 501-954-7822. Uh, material that I had sent to me before had that number wrong, so I've, I've corrected it now. 954-7822. So the whole thing about dealing, uh, AP is attacking the president and other people for saying Obama got rid of the uh, census question uh, when he was uh, president. Uh, bottom line, and that it hasn't been used all that much, bottom line it has, it is not one of the first questions asked. It's in the longer form of the census and has been asked quite often. And they go to further. It's going this this whole thing that you talking about. I read the story to you, which was very anti-Trump. It was from a newspaper. I'm still, to this day, all right, being a journalism major in right, college, right. To listen to writers take a side amazes me. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, they take sides now. I mean, way into the sides, in this case, uh, saying that it has not been asked that often. The bottom line, it has been asked often, and it's been asked in the long form. And I'll say this. If it hasn't been asked that often, but it has been asked, isn't that enough? Not for president, them. Of course, for I, them. I think the president could add it, not, that even notwithstanding. But certainly the fact that it's been asked before suggests it can be asked again. That's why, and as we know, the chief justice said in his opinion, he didn't like the reason proffered, but there could be a legitimate reason. Now, I'm not sure why there needs to be a legitimate reason to add something in that was taken away, or an illegitimate reason or something in between, meaning I... I don't see why the mere fact of adding something that was once there shouldn't be enough. But in any event, since the chief just, justice invited a better explanation, the Trump administration should give that better explanation. And my understanding seems to, is, based on the news reporting, that that's what they intend to do. And that's a good thing. They, I'm, no, I'm just yeah. reading more of that yeah. article that makes me well, want to scream. Yeah, there was a, there was a New York Times article that we talked about, you and I, Dave, talked about during the break that said that the Justice Department is replacing the lawyers on that case. Yeah, I, I made mention. I right. said the Justice Department announced on Sunday that it was replacing the legal team defending the Trump administration's effort to place a citizen's question on the next census, a change that is all but unprecedented in legal battles, as consequential as the one over the 2020 headcount. Yeah, that's another simply untrue statement. I worked in the Department of Justice. Uh, I know the federal programs group. I was not in the federal programs group. I was in what was known as the commercial litigation section. And... While it's true that cases are not routinely taken out of one group and put in another group, sometimes they are, particularly when they become political. Mm -hmm. And that's what has occurred here. And so then you will have, I don't know what office, it could be the AG's office himself, it could be the Solicitor General's office, it could be the Office of Legal Counsel, but whatever the other offices, and there are many offices 
within the Department of Justice, it's not unprecedented for an administration to take a case from one group and turn it over to another group. All right, we got Rick in Little Rock. Let's see what he has to say. Hey, Rick, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm, I'm well, Dave. Thank you. I just have the question is, why would we not want to have the citizenship question on the census? I'll tell you it what makes the— makes no sense. Here's what the left says. The left says if you ask that question, a lot of people won't answer it. Thus, areas will get less money. Uh, that would come to them from the federal government because people don't want to admit that they're not a citizen. That, that's, you know, what the, that's, that's what the left says. Yeah, that's right. You know, if they don't want to admit they're not a citizen, I'm, that's their problem. Well, not only I don't that, think they'll be getting all this money anyway. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right on the money. Which is, if they don't want to admit that they're a citizen, we shouldn't be allocating any money towards them. That's right. Or that they're not a citizen, whatever. If they don't want to tell the truth about their status, we shouldn't be allocating any money towards them. And here's the thing. If you're afraid to answer a census because it has a question on citizenship, if there's no question on citizenship, then you're not afraid to answer census questions? It strikes me that these same folks aren't answering the census question to begin with. Well, that's why I called in. I listen real frequently, and this is the first time I've gotten stirred up enough to call in. Thank you, Rick. It just seems, it just seems idiotic that we would not ask that on the census. I agree with that wholeheartedly. That's why I want them to ask. You know what that would do to California? That would it would yep. just it would hold back a whole lot of money being used illegally to sponsor these people who come across illegally. Or help them succeed from the union is what I'd like to do. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll let you go. Thank you for your call. Thank you. You're, 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 exactly, you're, you're, you're exactly right. It should be asked. I don't uh, understand what the big deal is. It. Why would you be against asking people if they're a citizen or not? Dave, I'm wondering if the Obama administration thought about taking off the question, what's your gender? Because that might offend people who are pan-gender or asexual or whatever the term is today. That's coming, man. Yeah. So It's coming. It's going to be, are you, a, they're going to have to ask like 65 different questions on that. Or, or maybe they should have a question on there. It says, are you an alien? Not an illegal alien. Are you from this planet? Yeah. We'll start with, are you from this planet? Then, are you from uh, this hemisphere? Then, are you from this country? No, you can't ask that one. You can't ask that one. Okay, now here's what Justin Levitt said about this story. He's a former senior official in the Justice Department under President Obama. He said there is no reason they would be taken off that case unless they saw what was coming down the road and said, I won't sign my name to that. That is one possibility. Mm -hmm. It is true. That one possibility is that those attorneys didn't feel they could sign the next filing. But here's part of the reason. They went into court and they made a claim about when the census had to be printed and finalized or finalized and printed. Now, apparently, that's not true, meaning they they can print one section and then they can print an addendum, an additional part with the citizenship question. So it is true that they might not come off looking great if they walked into court after having made factual claims, not legal claims, 
factual claims that now are belied by subsequent events. I wrote an article a while back when the government went in and made certain claims about what the military could do regarding this. Remember that law, Dave? I forgot what it was, the, the like Stolen Valor Act. Oh, yeah. And the problem with the Stolen Valor Act was not that it's a bad idea, that it's not that people should be a- allowed to walk around and say, I used to be in the military and I used to be a colonel or whatever. It's that it conflicts with the First Amendment. And so the government came in to the Supreme Court and said, we cannot provide a list of people who are in the military or who got these certain awards or something along those lines. And yet the Supreme Court ruled against the government. And all of a sudden the government came back and said, we're going to make a list. Wait, what? Wait, you just told the court you couldn't make a list. But now that you lost, you realize, well, the only choice you have is to make a list. And so that's a kind of dangerous statement that a government attorney can make about facts, again, not law, that prove not to be true. So if some of the statements that those lawyers made are not true, well, that puts them in a bad position. So they might say to their bosses, listen, get somebody else on this case. Don't make me go back into that court and look like a fool. That might have happened. That's true. That might have happened. But not the way the author of the article suggests. Absolutely not. Yeah. I, 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 my whole thing is, I went back and I read this article. And it's the way it was prefaced all the way through. Yeah. That uh, the president is nothing but a effing liar. Yeah. I mean, that's basically how they, they started it and ended it. It's not for you to determine that. Uh, If you're fact-checking, then the bottom line is give the the thing that's been said, give the facts, and let it lie. It's not for you to say, this president continues to blah, 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 blah. That is, that's editorializing. Stop it. The New York Times, undoubtedly. By the way, this was the AP. Was the AP. Yes. Let me make my comment about the New York Times, which sounds like it overlaps with the AP. I'm a regular reader of the New York Times. I've been reading it for most of my life. I continue to read the New York Times. The New York Times unabashedly has injected a level of editorial content into its articles that I have never seen before. And that editorial content is entirely anti-Trump. And it has never been the case that the New York Times has had this level of editorial content, this level of opinion in their alleged news articles. It's a different world we live in nowadays. Well, it, it is. It's definitely about what is truth and how is it reported. Right. And what is fact versus what, if, what is opinion. Bent. Yeah. What is opinion and what is fact? You know. A news story is supposed to have fact, not yeah. opinion. And, Unless and, and I'm all about if they got the fact and they want to give it and it shows the president in a less than positive light, that's fine. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. But I can't go along with taking and bending it that's right. to make him look bad. That's right. And I also, I'll go one step further. They can write all the opinion pieces they want under their editorial page. They can have people from the outside. But write stay it all, keep it off the front page. Keep, keep it off the news page. Yes. Keep it off the news Absolutely. 
They've got three categories in which they can legitimately infuse opinion. The editorial page, the op-ed, which is outside editorials, essentially. uh, And then they have their so-called news analysis, which is, by the way, largely editorial. An editorial page. Right, right. But, okay, you know, you want to call it... But they back it up a little bit more because they'll have some, quote, specialists. Yeah, yeah, whatever. To back what they're saying. You know, if you want to call it news analysis, uh, uh, I, I won't even object to that. But the part that's supposed to be straight news... I can't tell you now the number of times I I read it on on a tablet or phone. You know, I don't read the hard copy any longer. And I will get halfway through an article and I will spin down, scroll back to the top of the article to look to to see whether I mistakenly clicked on a news analysis or an editorial page. Mm-hmm. Literally, I'm not even being hyperbolic that. now. I'll say, oh, did I open up one of these news analysis pieces? It's not that it's not interesting. It's just I thought I was going to be reading a, a news story, not an opinion story. So let me scroll. And sure enough, I scroll up. doesn't say news analysis. It's got two reporters' names listed. It's allegedly a news story. It's not a news story. I'm not saying there's no facts in there, but in between each sentence of fact, virtually, is another sentence of opinion. That's not a news story. That's an opinion piece. All right. A break. We'll come back, finish up already the 4 o'clock hour, and get ready for the last hour, the 5 o'clock hour coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Back with you. we got just a few moments, so I want to bring up a sports-related story. Did you happen to watch any baseball over the weekend, Russ? Houston was playing the Angels, and uh, LaCroix is the catcher for the Angels. He suffered a concussion and a broken nose after a collision at home plate against the Houston Astros. And uh, LaCroix was knocked on his back in the eighth inning of a tie game after Astros pinch runner Jake Marzenek crashed into him. Marcinek was trying to score from third on a sacrifice fly to right center. Now, if you know about baseball, let me just say, if you don't, for you who don't know, if there's less than two outs and an outfielder catches a fly ball, you can stand on the base that you're on, and as soon as the player makes the catch, you can try to advance to the next base. If you're not thrown out at the other base, you're safe. In this case, he was trying to go from third to home, score, and I think it was 10 to 10, and they would have won 11 to 10. You basically got to bowl over the catcher and knock the ball out. Not any longer. Not any longer. The rules have changed on that. And because of just because of what we saw on this. Marzenek comes roaring down the third baseline. The right fielder makes the catch. He makes the throw to home. Now, LaCroix, the catcher, throws off his mask, is watching the ball coming in. He's inside the base path line, inside it, okay? So he's he's towards first base. Marzenek comes down the outside of the line, LaCroix is not not blocking home plate. The back part of the plate is open. All that Marsnick has to do is slide, reach out his hand, and touch. He doesn't do that. He totally plants his right foot and makes a t- 
turn into the inside part of the baseline and hits LaCroix right in the chest, and his head hits him right flat in the face. Speared him. He totally knocked him out cold and broke his nose. He was called out at home. As well he should have been, because he had the right to slide. He could he still had the make room it to play. slide and That's touch right. the base. It used to be, it didn't matter. Just take out the catcher. Well, people got hurt really badly at that. I remember when Randy, Hunt, Randy Huntley was hit by Joe Torre. Uh, at the time, I think he played with the Braves, and uh, he hit Randy and effectively shortened his career by several years. And you, man, I'm watching this game on MLB, right? So during the game, they're trying to explain the rule change that has happened, and he was out. The fans were going nuts because they're used to people just rolling over people. If you watch that and can't say, you know, it makes sense that you protect both ball players by not that, here, here's the problem. The batter who is coming up, if being a real professional, supposedly, you're standing back straight in with the third base line, and you're watching the runner, you're telling them where to slide at. That's your responsibility. That guy was standing there picking his nose. I'm just telling you. There was a lot of bad things that went back, and now LaCroix is on uh, concussion protocol, so he won't be playing for at least probably five days after the All-Star game. That means game. the Angels are playing way short now because yes, of what had, happened last week. Yes, and they had a pitcher who died. And, you know, just uh, it was it was really amazing. I couldn't believe that the ball player did that. He just not paying attention or somebody didn't teach him the rule correctly or whatever because he was on the outside of the, of, the, of the base path, had a clear shot for, for uh, home plate. I never would have run in. Why do you want to run into somebody who's wearing equipment like that? It's crazy. Slide and be safe. Go back to the dugout. Have a cold one. Gatorade. That's that. You know, running into a catcher. Okay, I, I remember when it was the the cool thing to watch the uh, the WWE of baseball when you would run into the catcher and knock the ball loose. That was that was part that of was the an game. interesting time to watch, but now it's if you've got if you've got the path and the catcher is on the is on the inside, you're on the outside. Take the outside slide and touch the base, or you're going to be and out. Get your score, or you're going to be out. That's just the way it goes. And you know the reason one of the reasons they passed that rule is because they're not making twenty thousand dollars a year anymore. They're making $120,000 a year just to sit on the bench. Really, 136000 just to sit on the bench. 20000 if you're guaranteed and you're sitting in single A. Well, if you're yeah, in single A, not in the big leagues. Uh, that's before you're double and triple A. That's single yeah. A or yeah. rookie. Yeah, and, and who knows what their bonus signing was. Well, that's what I'm Could saying. A he's he's pulling 20 just to sit on the bench in single A waiting for his bump up. Now you get, here's the key. That's why you see guys playing single A and they're driving really exotic cars. <laughs> I'm just telling you. They get signed $3, 4000000 million you know, bonuses, sometimes a lot more than that because 
the, the pros are pretty sure about them going. Just to sit in a hot sun place and play baseball. That's exactly right. I love baseball, though. I got to tell you, I love baseball. Be watching the home run derby tonight. Is it that time already? It is. It's it's uh, the All Star game. It's tomorrow night, man. I'll be watching the uh, the home run derby tonight. That's always fun to watch. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. Final hour, Dave Ellswick Show. Okay, I got a question for everybody. We'll see what everybody thinks uh, here in just a moment. We're going to deal with this tomorrow big time with the power panel because uh, they're the ones who sent me some material. I want to just read a little bit of a story. Uh, this is the NorthwestArkansasHomePage.com. Non-citizens now allowed to be part of Fayetteville city government. Non-citizens will now have, this is from KNWA, all right? Non-citizens will now have the opportunity to be part of the Fayetteville city government. After debating for more than an hour, the Fayetteville city council approved an ordinance July 2nd, that's last Tuesday, allowing non-citizens to be part of city government. The amended ordinance reads in part, quote, all Fayetteville residents who are legally authorized to live or work in the United States shall be entitled to apply to serve on a city board, commission, or committee. Some people against the issue said they think non-citizens don't have the right to make choices uh, for the city. That's all the story says. Well, it strikes me, if I understand correctly, as you say, it's quite a limited story, that they're talking about legal residency. Mm-hmm. And if it's legal residency, I don't object to that notion. I don't meaning that's someone who's here with the permission of the government, paying taxes, doing what he's supposed to do, he or she, uh, and filing all the proper paperwork. So I think that's okay. Okay. Well, you know, it's brought to my attention. They said allow them to run for office. I don't read that in this story. Do you? I I would have a problem. Can a person who is a non-citizen, he's here legally and can turn around and run for an elected office? I would say no No, to that. No. No to that. And as I read this, as all Fayetteville residents who are legally authorized to live or work in the U.S. shall be entitled to apply, serve on a city board commission or committee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, All right. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't say anywhere in there if they're running, but like I said, this is the story I saw. We'll see if there's more information I'm not aware of yet. So Can that's I, something to be yeah be getting ready for tomorrow. In fact, that's exactly what my promo talks about. <laughs> well, let's. if you don't mind, Dave, I just realized as you – Obviously, no, I filled in for you on the 5th. Yeah, what did you guys talk about? uh, Well, a variety of things. Um, We talked about the lawsuit uh, for uh, by three professors, and I'm not one of them, uh, against the University of Arkansas regarding contract, breach of contract. Right. We talked about uh, this lawsuit regarding the expansion of the highway, what's it, uh, 30 uh, downtown. Uh, we talked about a very 
interesting article by the son of Mayor de Blah Blah Blasio. And the son says, well, my dad had the, the, the talk with me in which most uh, young black men are told by their fathers it's very dangerous to confront the cops. I'm summarizing what uh, what he said in the article. Uh, that might be, be careful when you come into contact with the cops. And I, I said, by the way, that my dad told me the same thing. He said, told oh, me. Right, exactly. My dad said, all kids are stupid. And I said, but dad, I'm a good student. He goes, okay, you're well-educated stupid. And uh, <laughs> um, kids are stupid. And kids like to mouth off to the cops. And most cops are very good. Some might not be, but in either case, you mouth off enough time, times to somebody in authority, you might get smacked in the head or worse, or far worse. Yes. Uh, so the smart move is don't mouth off to the cops. And so I, I pointed out that I had the same talk, even though the suggestion by uh, Bill de Blasio's son was that it was focused on uh, young black men. But that's okay. He's a young black man, and so he's allowed to talk about his experiences and his exposure. But interestingly, the article goes on to talk about how he was in San Francisco, you know, that conservative bastion of the United States, San Francisco, where the cops are known to be super conservative. Wait, what? Wait, what? Or as Joe Biden would say, come on, man. Yeah. Um, And it was one o'clock in the morning. He was out late and he came back to stay at a, a house or apartment of a friend of the family and they had given him the code so he could let himself in because it was one o'clock in the morning and the street was barren and he's punching in the code and he can't get it to work he's doing it for 10 minutes okay and after 10 minutes a cop rolls up on him the the horror right the cop yeah, rolls so he says that he gets nervous and then he figures out he wasn't hit, hitting the pound key to let himself in, and then he did, and he let himself in. So here, and they said, and I was afraid. I was afraid of the cops, and nobody should be afraid of the cops. That's a whole article. But the implication, of course, of the article is someone called the cops on him because he was a black man. And I said, obviously, there's no evidence to support that because mm-hmm. someone called the cops on him maybe to help him. Right, right. It's 1 o'clock in the morning, and someone can't get into their home, and someone else observes it. Who do you call? You don't call the postmaster, you call the cops. Exactly, I saw that one. <laughs> uh, and and so you call the cops, and the cops show up, and he goes, oh, but then I was afraid of the cops. Oh, did the cops try to racial profile, racially profile you? Did they treat you badly? Well, actually, no, because he didn't have any conversation with the cops. So maybe when the cops pulled up, if you were still outside, you didn't have to be, but if you were, they would have said, can we help? And so this whole narrative is built around this false premise that the cops... And the neighbors were out to get him, uh, Dante, the son of Dante de Blasio, the son of Bill de Blasio, because he was a black man. And the truth is, there's absolutely no evidence to support that whatsoever. It's one possibility in the realm of infinite possibilities, of course, but he has no support for it. And what the problem is, as we well know, is that the left spins up these narratives of hatred these narratives of racism uh, to justify their claims against you based on your race. And in other words, as you said earlier, they spin up these narratives of racism so that they can pursue racist ideology themselves. And it's a real tragedy. 
to real that and I have no doubt, as I said on Friday, that Dante, when he in the article expressed fear, that it is true. Because if you indoctrinate enough people into fear, they will be fearful. Again, it doesn't mean you be stupid with the police. You can have that conversation as my father had with me. As I have with my own kids. I, I've all I have told all my children. If you're pulled over by the police, be respectful. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, and I said, now, if something happens that you think should not have happened, you come and tell me immediately when you get home. That's right. You fix it late. You can fix it or try to fix it, but you fix it later. You don't fix it on scene. Exactly. Going to be interesting, isn't it? Dave, but well. All of this, albeit 15 minutes into this hour, was a lead-in to say that you and I have not talked about that military display of might and horror from that fascist dictatorship that we're... Wait, what? I can't even get the sentence out. Let me just be clear for your audience. I'm mocking the left here, right? Well, of course. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. They're so easy to mock, to be honest. Uh, I think I can talk to the majority of my listeners about this. How many parades and salutes to our great nation have you been to in your lifetime that involved the military? A lot. I mean... A lot. Local parades? Fourth of July parade... Always had the military. Yeah, in my hometown, always included... Always. A, a gazillion vets. The, the, absolutely. Walking. Vets and, 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 and American active. flag leading the, them. The uh, National Guard would, would march. Absolutely. Yeah. And we'd have, I remember they just had the um, American Legion. Right. 100th birthday That's right. here. That's right. And they had a little parade. That's right. It wasn't big. It was a little. Yeah. Used to be those parades were huge. Yeah. And... Anybody that could still squeeze into their military uniform would do so. Exactly. And from a ba- from the base there locally and things, they'd bring the tanks out. I mean, I can't tell you how many Sherman tanks I've seen. Now, I've not seen M1s because they don't take M1s down the, uh, uh, the road anymore. Now, they had them on display. These were static displays. And like two of them, by the way. But even if they, let's say they had a hundred and they were rolling them out. Well, the only people that do, that do that, says the left, are the are the dictatorships. No. Wait, France? France did it. That's where Trump got the exactly. idea. Exactly. Wait, France? And it's, the, uh, you know, what is more patriotic, I got to be honest with you, than watching the Blue Angels perform? That, well, the, the, all of the planes that were flying the blue angels that uh what, what's the one that you can't see you know what do they call those planes the stealth the stealth i, I don't understand B2. how did we see it yeah it was up there i saw it radar yeah. can't yeah. see it uh, oh really we don't have yeah. cloaking exactly technology. exactly it's not the klingons no it's not the klingons what do you yeah. mean not yet i oh, wish my goodness and they had and there's uh, a lot of pl- uh, pilots that wish the same thing exactly and they had the air force one Wonderful. People go to the Paint shows. it the way the president wants it painted, by the way. Oh, was it already repainted? Yeah, he wants he wants it to look different I know, than what but it did, does now. They didn't now. repaint it yet, did they? I guess it was. Oh, From I what I understood, okay. they okay. did some, but it's not right. going to stay that way unless Congress agrees to it. Oh, is that right? Yes. Okay. 
Well, in any event, I, I know people that go to these military air shows all the time, uh, and I wish I could go see more of them. They're wonderful, and yet somehow, but this is the problem with the left, right? What did I say earlier in your show, Dave, that Joe Biden isn't able to actually respond because he's, shall we say it, um, he's, he's a senior gentleman. Uh, so his senior gentlemanness leads him to say things. Come on, man. Yeah. Instead of actually responding. Yes. Th- this is the left's attitude regarding Trump more broadly, meaning their response to him saying, well, I would like to have a parade and I would like to speak to the nation because I am, after all, the president of the United States, the country created as a function of Independence Day and the Independence War. And now I'm the leader of that country. Wouldn't it be appropriate for me to speak on that day? And their response is the equivalent of the Joe Biden. Come on, man. Wait, so what's your objection? Come on, man. Yeah. I mean, you don't like it? What, you don't like the president speaking? Come on, man. There's no substance to their objection. And of course, I think the president should always speak exactly. on the 4th exactly. of July. Well, that's what's remarkable. Always. always. And of it course, shouldn't be a politicized well, speech, say, which oh, the president's wasn't. He was gonna, he's going to be political. He's going to be wasn't. campaigning. He's going to be doing this. Not for a moment. Not for a moment. Ain't it the truth? Yeah. Not for did a minute. It was a great speech, it by was, the way. It was a terrific speech. It was apolitical. He congratulated the military. He recommended people join the military. What better free publicity, free advertisement for you know the military? You would have made it even better? What's up? If they would have had a whole group of people right there in front of right. the Lincoln Memorial. Right. Being made citizens. Yeah. Of the United States. Yeah, that's right. That would have been that's a, great. That's a, that's a smart political idea. That's a very good. And they should have handed out hot dogs and apple pie. Yeah. And I'm serious about that. Yeah. These, all these things represent America. In a, and gave in, away what, a Chevrolet. Give away a Chevrolet. A Ford would hate that, right? <laughs> uh, and Peter would hate the hot dogs. Maybe we could yeah. give out the vegan hot dogs as well, you know? Have you ever had a vegan hot dog? No. Well. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Well, yeah. They're like these soy hot dogs. There's some new... Burgers yeah. that are meatless that are very, very good. That's what I understand. I'm kind of afraid to eat something that is fake meat. They're not particularly healthy. They just, so the, if you want to eat them because, oh, well, that's healthier than meat. No. It's just if you have a moral objection or some sort of religious or allergy, then they serve you Remember Backyard Burger? Yeah, the place. Backyard yeah. Burger, you sure? Yeah. Sure. Do they still exist? I don't I think, think they so. Do, do no, they? I don't know. Yeah, I, I need to so. find yeah. one because their, their veggie burger is very good. You know who actually has a very good veggie burger? White Castle. Absolutely. They And it's by this other company that you can buy. Them Dude, with. I love White yeah. Castle. Yeah, try their veggie burgers. Does it taste as good as the regular White well, Castle? It doesn't taste like a burger. I mean, it doesn't taste like meat, right? It tastes yeah. like uh, some sort of product, but it's very good. It really, I'll sincerely. I'll give it a shot. It's very good. Dude, I Do can... we have White Castle? No. Oh, my goodness. No. And you know, the thing about White Castle is that they own all their own oh, restaurants. All corporate owned. They do not have Franchise- franchises. If they had a franchise... I would personally open one here Isn't that funny? in Little Rock. I think not need- Crystals. <laughs> What's Crystals? It's it's a ripoff. Oh, is there? I never even heard of yeah. it. Yeah. Well, we should uh, White Castle. We should campaign for White Castle to come here. Russ, this sounds like something my show can get behind. Exactly. We want a White Castle in Little Rock. Exactly. I think we can make that probably happen. 
I'll, I'll I get a Cotton Patch Cafe somewhere around here. I'll get myself. Well, that would be good, too. But get a, a big banner, and we'll have people come out and start signing it with, yeah. with a White Castle, a big picture of White Castle hamburger. We want a White Castle. Maybe they can move in where the donut shop closes. Yeah, the what old was, Krispy Kreme. Yeah. Man, that would be great. Right next to the Hart That'd Hospital. Be awesome. What perfect placement. Because you know what the best burger they got at White Castle now is? Is the jalapeno burger. Dude, the jalapeno cheeseburger is awesome. Did you I, go to awesome. White Castle in Branson or something? No. They, you can't get them. I mean, the closest you can get them here is in St. Louis. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. St. Louis. When I was in New York... Uh, taking care of my mother, uh, I went to and I brought some home for my mother, and she liked them. Eat them by the bag, baby. Yeah, yeah. you got to be careful. By the bag. You, you got to be careful. My dad, <laughs> when I was a kid, my dad would get off of four to twelves at the. At uh, that means he worked from four in the afternoon to midnight. Right. He, he worked come for home. a living, in other words. He would come home, and he would take us to White Castle on Holman Avenue in Hammond. Isn't that nice? We'd buy up about six bags, come home, chow down, and then go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> what did your dad do? He was a steel worker. Good for him. He worked hard, Good man. Good for he him. He worked hard. Good Take a break. Him. We'll be back with more. Hey, don't forget about Allstate's Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency. They want to save you money or get you better insurance. It's one of two things. Save you money, more coverage. You can do it by calling them at 501-819-0373. That's 501-819-0373. Here's what they want you to do. They're going to talk to you and say, hey, can you come by on X, Y, or Z day to the um, you know our agency at 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood and bring your car insurance, bring any insurances you got, car insurance, bring your life insurance, your boat insurance, your uh, motorcycle insurance, your insurance insurance. Come, bring it with you. Sit down with them. And let them compare what you have with what they can offer and show you they can get you a better deal. It's that easy, and it's about that fast. Uh, again, 501-819-0373, and uh, make an appointment to sit down and save some moolah. Uh, 3920, 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood, the Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency. Great guy. Great agency, great professionals working there. Okay, we're, we got news coming. When we come back, I got to look at this story from different angles with you. Which story are we talking about? Jeffrey Epstein. Oh, yeah. He was charged again today. Oh, yeah. They, uh, they arrested him as his plane landed from coming from uh, outside the United States, and he's going to stay in jail for a little while right now. My prediction, be, and gonna, mind you, he's entitled to a presumption of innocence, yes. but my prediction is he will never leave jail. I will agree with that, yeah. and uh, my thing is, what kind of fallout? There's yeah. all there's presidents who have been at this guy's island. It's a real... It's, I, I've spoken to several people who have asked me exactly that question. It's it's how many people are going to go down because UK of this guy? people. We'll talk when oh, we come everyone. back. Yeah. All right, so it would be remiss of me if I didn't talk about one of the biggest stories of the day, and that's about Jeffrey Epstein. Let me just read uh, this uh, article from the AP. I can't believe I'm reading the AP after those lion sacks a few minutes ago. In a startling reversal of fortune, uh, 
Billionaire financier Jeffrey Epstein was charged today with sexually abusing dozens of underage girls in a case brought more uh, than a decade after he secretly cut a deal with federal prosecutors to dispose of nearly identical allegations. The 66-year-old hedge fund manager who once socialized with some of the world's most powerful people was charged in a newly unsealed federal indictment with sex trafficking and conspiracy during the early 2000s. He could get up to 45 years in prison if convicted. He wouldn't. He'd serve the rest of his life. He'd die in prison, 66 right now. The case sets the stage for another hashtag MeToo era trial fraught with questions of wealth and influence. And here's his problem. He doesn't have powerful friends in high places right now who saved his bacon back in the day because we're talking about former President Clinton and others who flew to his islands and people knew what he was. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, you correct me, you're from New York, Robert. You might know some more about this than I do because this guy's from New York. And that is that uh, our, uh, our president, Trump, would not let him be at Key Largo. Uh, is it Key Largo? Is that the name of his uh, place no, it's down in Miami? Mari Largo. Mari Largo. Yeah. All right. Wouldn't allow Epstein on the premises for his uh, reasons of hitting on know. young kids. I don't know. I, I, okay. Yeah, I don't know that. Well, that's of course in Florida too. So yeah, uh, he the, he doesn't have a location uh, in New York. I think he has a golf club in New York, but he's got a, a, a location in Bedminster, Bedminster, New Jersey, which is a um, it's a, a club, you know, a yeah. golf club type of thing. But no, I don't know. Any, I don't know one way or or another if he. And I'm going to talk about this, this more tomorrow because more of it will have come right, out right. by tomorrow. But but as the you bottom said line, earlier, this was a story I remember talking about. Oh yeah, back at the. The turn of the century. <laughs> but here's here's really what's interesting about it. What shoe is going to drop next as a consequence? Because there's no way this guy isn't going to try to um, soften the blow to his uh, record by turning over names of other people. Will he do what? Uh, what? Who? What was the madame's name? Heidi. Heidi, Heidi Fleiss. Fleiss. Good. Yeah, I forgot about what, her. What, what will what he do like she did? Did she flip? It seems to me she's saying some names out. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. Well, he starts singing all the people who was going to his parties. Right. Whoa. Whoa. Right. This could be just the beginning yeah, of a Yeah, this could get story. real ugly. That's right. Don't you know there's a lot of guys out there that went. Now, what? I don't know if they took part. I'm just saying, right. why would you go? But he knew a lot of famous people. And he from England and the U.S. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was huge with the English too. Yeah. So we'll see what, if any, other shoe drops. On yeah, this that's story. the thing. That's it's a sidebar story that's that right. I think is the bigger story. That's right. That's right. Because I think they got the goods on this oh, guy now because they they, they were able to get to his house before he knew they were coming, and they got all kinds of pictures of of young women. You got women that got paid by him to go out and solicit other girls to, you know, go on these uh, massage trips and stuff. Oh my God, it's it's sordid. Yeah, it's yeah. really ugly. Oh yeah, oh yeah. 
So no, he, let's see what happens on this one. And they're asking for no bail for obvious reasons. Yeah, he's, he's, a, so he's a flight. Well, he's he, a flight risk. Right, right. He's got his own private jet. Yeah. I mean, how are you going to stop him from flying to, I don't know, might want to live over in Libya or something. Maybe not. Doubt Libya. it, but Maybe probably not. Maybe not Libya. <laughs> probably not. Uh, Some place where they don't have extra, you know, extradition, get him out of there. But it's just, this is one of those crazy ones. And then lastly today, another big story. What do you think of this ambassador from uh, England? Oh, they, I just heard they, briefly. He made some really oh anti-Trump statements. Yeah, that's that, an understatement. Is that an understatement? Oh, Tell me. yeah. It's an and, but, but the British were backing him up or something. Well, the, you know, if you're if if you are a, an ambassador, your job is to know what's going on in your particular country and to send back very open correspondent to the president and tell him what you think about what's going on. Right. All right. right. But what you don't do is release some of the cables that you sent out. Oh, is that what he did? He released some cables? President Trump announced today that the U.S. will no longer deal with the British ambassador to the U.S. after leaked diplomatic cables showed the ambassador secretly slamming Trump in frank and personal terms. The extraordinary development seemingly Not rendered very diplomatic. No, rendered Britain's representative to U.S. a person of non grata persona. Persona, non grata, non grata. yeah, for the first time in more than a century. And it came amid reports that the ambassador Kim Darush, I guess is how he pronounces his name, is actually popular amongst White House officials. I do not know the ambassador. But he is not liked or well thought of within the U.S., Trump wrote on Twitter. We will no longer deal with him. Trump called Darush ineffective, implied he wasn't even worth responding to. We've had our little ins and outs with a couple of countries. And I would say that the U.K., their ambassador, has not served the U.K. Well, I can tell you that, Trump told reporters. We are not big fans of that man, and he has not served the U.K. well so I can understand it, and I can say things about him, but I won't bother. So Trump also tweeted today, I've been very critical about the way the U.K. and Prime Minister Theresa May handled Brexit. What a mess she and her representatives have created. Now, that's true. That's a very true statement. I uh, told her how it should be done, but she decided to go another way. He later added, uh, added, the good news for the wonderful United Kingdom is that they will soon have a new prime minister. While I thoroughly enjoyed the magnificent state visit last month, it was the queen who I was most impressed with. So that's kind of a knock on May. Yeah, I'd say not good. Uh, just Downing Street said that the U.K. has a special enduring relationship with the U.S. based on our long history uh, and commitment to shared values, and that will continue to be the case. I want to get a shirt for next. Well, that's a diplomatic for next, comment. Yeah, July fourth, yeah. saying, saying, uh, "Happy birthday, you traitors from the UK." <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I like the UK. I know you do too. I want to get over there. I'm, that's where my ancestors were Saxons. Right. Yeah, right. I want right. to get over that's there. It's beautiful. Beautiful. I want to get over and check it out. I have not been there. I do want to go there. It's very important to me. Um, there's a town by the name of 
Ellswick. Oh, wow. And there, I, I got interested when I was reading a story about Sir Paul McCartney, and he said he used to go visit John Lennon, and they would hang out on the corner of one street in Ellswick. Oh, that's funny. So I, you know, look. They might have hung the guy, all right, and they called it Ellswick Street. I don't know. Knowing you, I think there's yeah, a good that's shot. A good, that's there's true. a good shot at that. But I would really like to, you know, I'd like to get over there and see a little history about my own family. Very nice. Did you Very know nice. that there's Ellswick Bicycle Company? I did not know that. There's Ellswick Gunpowder Factory? I did not know there's that. There's Ellswick Shipbuilding? That one I know. No, Pretty gee, amazing. Yeah, they made the Titanic. No, I'm just kidding. Right, 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 right. <laughs> no, the funniest story I've got about England, my uh, my former uh, fraternity, well, I shouldn't say former fraternity, my fraternity brother, Todd Stewart, was flying back from Italy when we went to Italy and lived over there, and he flew into uh, Heathwick, and, uh, or Heathrow. Heathrow. And uh, he had he had a layover there, and so he got out of the airport, went through customs, and as he was going through customs, the uh, customs agent asked him what his purpose was in the country. He looked at him dead in the face and said, I've come to reclaim the throne for the House of Stuart. Not a bad Very idea. cool. That's good. Is and that then, one of those comments and, to the cops then, that gets you smacked? That's what I was going to say. He got out, once he was let out of jail, he moved, yeah. he went he went and joined you, huh? He uh, he actually got a laugh from the guy. Well, I bet, and he probably knew his history. Oh yeah, he knew his history hugely well. Yeah, you know, this, who was the Stewart that sang "Year of the Cat"? Who was that guy? Somebody Stewart. I forget who was. His big song it was, was, like, it wasn't the, Stewart, was it? Year of the Cat. Yeah. Well, when we come I'll, back, I'll when we come second. back, we'll come back with that song here on the Dave Ellswick show. We got about another seven or eight minutes that we can talk to I my buddy Dave's here. Getting a little punchy. No, I just you know you got to catch a got to kind of run after rabbits once in a while. Strolling through the crowd like Pete Delorey Contemplating a crime She comes out of the sun In a self-dress Running like a woman It's kind of like American Pie You know, you're supposed to sit down And figure out what the heck Everything he's talking about in the song I'm not so deep I just What's this about? What's that about? You remember American Pie? How could you not? What's that, 32 minutes long? No, but I mean, it's like radio stations used to have huge contests about what's he talking about? You know, who cares? Who cares that the jester was laughing with glee and then the, all the rest of them? That was, was, that our, really, was that really Dylan they were talking about? That was our bathroom break song, Dave. Well, I agree that. Stairway to Heaven was a bathroom break. Freebird was a, black, a bathroom break. Those were the three songs you always put on when you had to go and sit. What was great when when they had them on carts, you prayed that the cart wouldn't screw up, but you could put them in machines, and they would automatically fire off into the next one. If you put those three songs together, 
and played them one after another. That's a trip to the store, dude. Yeah, that was a trip to the stall. I'm just telling you. <laughs> That's the way it was. Back in the day when radio was young. That's the way it was. Now you can do it with the computers easy. No problem whatsoever. You were talking, Mr. Steinbach, during the break. Me? And you wanted to speak about the women's soccer team who won for good for them. Another what is it? Do they have the World Cup every year, or is it every couple of years? What? Well, however it is, I don't know. Right. I'm not a soccer fan, but here's right. the bottom line: they've won it back to back. It's great. And there's only, I guess, one other team that's done that in the last gazillion years since you know when dinosaurs died and became gasoline but the bottom you know bottom line is that they won again yeah. and you were saying i was just thought it was a little hypocritical for those few members. exactly those few members who said they were going to refuse to stand for the national national anthem, anthem much like kaepernick but they did because okay. it, it's a rule now that oh, you okay. have to stand good but well they said they would not come to the white house that, well, you know what? I've got no problem if they don't want to go to the White House. Meaning, I would go to the White House, but if they choose not to go to the White House, they, they're free. I, I don't have a problem with that. What I had, what I had a problem with was they were saying that they didn't want to stand for the national anthem. By the way, I don't care if you don't want to stand for the national anthem, but if you're doing that to protest the United States, don't try out, volunteer for, and serve on the United States soccer team. Pick another team. Serve on a private team. Go to another country. But if you're trying to – and listen, you can protest, but you're protesting the national anthem because you have some sort of claim against the United States, but then you want to serve on the United States soccer team? That seems hypocritical to me, frankly. All right. Yeah. You ever Every heard? four years since 1991, the only other team to go back-to-back, 2003 and 2007, was Germany. Okay. So in four more years – We'll have a new batch of women that will be doing it. And let's see if they get equal pay. Yeah, equal pay. Well, you raise the other thing. Well, here's it. It's equal pay. Equal pay. Pay is based on demand. When you turn on the television, Dave, and you can watch professional sports or you can watch high school sports, which one are you going to watch? You watch professional because they're better. And here's the thing. Am, am I still allowed to say this, by the way, Dave, that – uh, person for person, uh, men do better in sports than women do. Meaning, on average, I can't beat any of them in soccer. They they knock me down and trample me. But male soccer teams perform better than female soccer teams. That's just biology. I know we're not allowed to talk about biology anymore, but that's basic biology, and that intersects with economics. People pay for the best. You know how product. much they pay. For the men's soccer championship? No idea. $400 million. There you go. You because know how much it's for the females? No idea. 60. 60 million. Who? This is what Ford's on yeah. the phone. We'll oh. get right to you, Ford. Yeah. I, I just wanted to break in. From what Shakespeare play was it, I think he protests too much. I don't know which one, but I but know. You know, course, that, right? right? Yes, of course. Bill Clinton. Yeah. Uh-oh. 
knows nothing. No, not not about you the remember, terrible crime. You remember remember Schultz from uh, yeah, what that's was the what name I of thought. the show? Yeah, Hogan's Hero. Hogan's Hero. I see nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> Uh, about terrible crimes linked to Jeffrey Epstein, the former president's spokesman said today in Clinton's first statement after new sex trafficking charges were lobbed against a wealthy financer. I think he protested too much. That's interesting. Do you know? No, his spokesman said. Hamlet. Hamlet. He's got to get in front of this. See, Biden would wait. <laughs> Until they brought but it up. We haven't heard anything from Clinton in a while. All of a sudden, this is the first yeah, thing he decides to... That's what I got to wow. say. All right. Ford, how are you, my man? I'm so darn happy. I'm just all warm and fuzzy on the inside. Well, that's scary, but go ahead. Okay. I just want to correct Rob there. He's half right. Okay. Uh, the price on the women's uh, pay... It's not based on demand. It's supply and demand. You have to have both. Indeed. It takes two parts of the scissors to do the cutting. And But what do you think is the biggest factor in the difference in price between male sports and female sports? Paid to labor. Still, it's, it's still supply and demand. I mean, if a whole bunch of women stopped participating in that... Maybe the price would go up. I'm not sure, but that's what the market does. It's supply and demand. But on another point, the women got paid a higher percent of the total revenue that that activity uh, generated than the men. That's actually very so interesting. You know, they're actually making a bigger about- piece of the pie. Excuse me? So they're actually making a bigger piece of the overall pie than the men did. Well, a larger percent right. of a smaller pie. Exactly. So you yeah. know what that tells me? The men are getting ripped off. Yet again, <laughs> we see another example where women are being disproportionately paid above men. Uh, that's well, a, li- what, a little joking. What that tells me is the market is working and... Let's leave it alone and quit worrying about it. I'm with you on that one, Ford. Thank you very much. we got to run. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. Uh, CNN announced today they've got two moderators for 30, 31 July for the next debate. Yeah. They are Dana Bash and Jake Tapper. Okay. They named number three. Who was it? I have no idea. Take a guess. I had no idea. Don Lemon. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Softball. <laughs> oh, oh, my. Man. They did that so that we'll tune in. Yeah, they must have. Absolutely. All right, we got to get out of here. Thank you so much, Mr. Steinbach, Thank you. for God once bless. again coming and visiting with me for three whole hours. My pleasure. His opinions are his and his alone, although they should be the opinions of UALR and the Bowen School of Law. I'll see you all tomorrow, 2 o'clock. Power panel will be here. We'll talk about that should a non-citizen be able to you know, hold a commission spot. We'll talk about that. And the Bible guys. Don't forget... Bible Guys at SalemLR.com for your questions. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.